Today is Tuesday, July 25th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. I just think I almost said 2022. I wonder how many uh, wonder how many times I've done that in the last year. I've said 2022 instead of 2023. Anyway, it is 2023, for several more months at least. All right, today we start off. I gotta apologize for this. People's mics are awesome. Aw- what is wrong with me? Oh my gosh, talking is hard. People's mics are not awesome. People's mics are awful. I try to mitigate it as good as I can, so bear with me. If you're uh, if you're joining us for the first time, it is normally not this bad. So there are just lots of little techie things from people popping in and out. And, uh, you know, I, I drop the ball in the conversation and I get tuned out. Because, <laughs> well, if this is an advertisement to not listen, here you go. Anyway, so someone send me a PR person. It's really not that bad. But there is some, some lolly gagging around and people's mics are terrible. So, um, sexualizing kids and taxing the churches and, you know, how, how okay is nude people walking around kids, uh, as long as they don't cross a line for sexualizing them? How about just none of it? I mean, you know, people will be like, and they do, well, I think you're just more of a prude because, you know, conservative Christian. Fine. I guess I'm a prude then. Like, you know, if you're a consenting adult, 18 plus whatever country you live in, you know, let your freak flag fly. Um, I think you shouldn't. I think you should repent and believe the gospel. But if you don't want to do that, live your life. Just not around kids. Like, it's a very European thing to do. You know, just nudist colonies and, you know, old dudes just flopping around on the beach in front of, like, little three-year-olds. Being European only goes so far. You cannot use that excuse forever. How about we just all wear some clothes? Anyway, um, is my take unclear? I don't know. It's amazing. Don't want to say, I guess I am saying it, how many conversations I've had over the years, and it's always people who are non-religion, religious, who are like, oh, you know, it, it, there's no problem. I take showers with my kids. It's fine. You know, we just walk around the bathroom together. We walk around the house naked. We make breakfast naked. I'm like, well, first of all, aren't you worried about grease splatter? But secondly, I'm like, what, what kind of person is that? Am I too prudish? And if so, fine. I guess that's an area I won't push back on. Fine, call me a prude. Anyway, it just seems weird. Like, they say people have a comfort zone for a reason. You know, that is so far outside of my comfort zone. Like, I'm not into that. I mean, you know, for the record, I didn't like, uh, you know, walking around through high school gym class in the shower area with a bunch of naked dudes either. Just a little bit outside of my comfort zone. So, I'm not trying to be, like, all holier than thou. I'm just being like, what is it where religious people seem to be a little more reserved? And um, these free-thinking, free-flowing individuals, there's like, yeah, we shower with our kids naked. It's fine. I'm like... Is it? Anyway, goodness. <clears throat> and then they also want to tax the churches. <laughs> so I'm not speaking about the person we speak to today. He's he's a good guy, as far as I know him, and he comes around a lot. But, I mean, this is going back a decade or more. Um, these conversations have popped up quite often. Anyway, so uh, then tax the churches because the government is just our friend and wants to make sure everyone's accountable. Ha <laughs> ha! Don't believe that for a second. Uh, I love your government if you're listening. I love you guys. You're great. Um, but no, ter- tax the churches is not something that should be a thing. No. Leave the churches out of your tax dockets. Uh, f- if we care about the Constitution, which more and more every day, people do not, but it's in there for a very good reason. It's like, oh, we just want to make sure all the money's spent, really efficient. We want to help you out. Why are you putting these handcuffs on me? Oh, because you didn't put the decimal in the right spot. Sorry, little church pastor, to jail. Um, that may sound extreme, but I mean, you know, look around, open your eyes. Um, are things going more that way or less that way? 
even if you say they're not that way yet, they're certainly not going further away from that way. Then we talk about some stuff for a while, not really sure what. I kind of zone out of my own podcast, so you may want to skip about 20 minutes. <laughs> Gosh, I'm such a terrible, terrible marketer. Like, listen to my podcast. It's awful. It's terrible. Everyone's bad. <laughs> anyway, how are we known in heaven? Uh, we talk about that for a while, and our friend Brian drops by, who has some interesting takes. Uh, so we, we talk about that for a little bit, and what will heaven be like? So uh, they're continuing on. I have to run, because apparently good good parents are supposed to feed their children or something, so I need to get lunch ready. But if you want to watch the replay, click on the link to sign up for Clubhouse and click uh, your way into our, our rooms and our hearts, and you can find the replay still going on if you hurry. Otherwise, you, you can find the replay and watch that later and see where the rest of the conversation about how we're known in heaven and what heaven will be like and uh, things like that. See where that goes. <clears throat> in the meantime, uh, please subscribe to wherever you can subscribe to this thing from. I promise we'll do better. <laughs> I'll do a better job of hosting my own show in the future. Um and check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Learn about having civil conversations with uncivil people on the internet. And sharing the love of Christ and what you believe and why you believe it. You hear, am I sniffling? Does that, my microphone pick that up? I'm like, ugh. Just in time. Nothing like summer sickness. Anyway, check out something else. The link you can visit the Ask a Christian store. Grab a mouse pad, coffee shirt. I almost said coffee shirt again twice in a row. Coffee cup, t-shirt. Uh, support the podcast, support, support sharing the gospel with people on the internet. You can click the donate link through PayPal, and we appreciate everything, and please share these links with people. Um, until next time, see you later. No, it's just a slow morning at work. My, my co-worker offered to let me out, so I'm hanging out in the parking lot for a minute. <laughs> nice. Morning, Sean. I lose lose coworker didn't. Nate, how you doing? Good, good. Lose coworker didn't let him out though. He's making him work. Lou, you need to ask your coworker if uh, they could take over for you, so you can come chat with us. <laughs> so what's on everyone's mind today? Are you still driving, Sean? Oh yeah. <laughs> I now I'm in Mobile, Alabama. Ah, just left, just left, see, um, is Mobile the one with the? Is that the one with the big tunnel that goes under the river or something? I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. Okay. Is, does Mo- does Mobile, Alabama, go under have a big tunnel? Yes. Yes. Yes, it does. Ah, uh, yeah, that thing's creepy. I I I went that way one time, and it was like a tunnel that just seemed like it was built in like the 50s or 60s, and there's like you know water leaking through, which I'm I'm sure like you know that's part of it, like how how it's not perfectly sealed. But I mean it was like damp, and I'm like oh boy, I do not like this. Oh, and it was rush hour, so I got trapped like underwater. So I, I you know so like I I was trapped under the tunnel that was under the river. So I was like sitting in the middle of the tunnel during rush hour for like an hour, and. and uh, And, and that's okay. where the oh, non-Christians wait. will say, oh, well, if you die, you just go to heaven unless you don't really believe it. I'm like, no, I totally believe it. But it's like the three to five minutes it takes it. Sean, I got to mute you, man. That's a heck, heck of a loud thing there. Oh, goodness, Sean, mute yourself, bro. Ah! Sean, I don't know what that was, man. Uh, let me know when you figure it out. That was super, super loud. I, I had to drop you. I couldn't even mute you. It wouldn't work. Anyways...
that's where the non-believers will be like, oh, if you if you really believe it, you shouldn't be scared of dying, right? I'm like, I'm not scared of that. It's just the three to five minutes it takes me to die. I'm in no hurry to, you know, go through that process. Sean, raise your hand if you figure that out. But man, that was that was super, super loud. What were you saying, Lou? You're saying something? I was going to make a joke, but it passed and it's not worth saying it because it's not funny anymore. Well, what up, mate? It's funny Hello, to me. James. I want to hear it. Is that the atheist Jamesy that we have here? That's the satanic uh, temple. Uh, oh, yeah, satanic on. temple Jamesy. I'm not a real okay. satanist. I'm one of those fake satanists. Well, no, but I mean, if you go to the trouble of joining the satanic temple, do you want to be known as an atheist or a satanist? Because if you want to be known as an atheist, well, then why join the satanic temple? This I, I honestly don't know. Like, what do you? I'll call you whatever you want. Like, do you do you want to be known as like just Jamesy or satanist or atheist? Like, I'll call you whatever you want. I I am kind of separating myself from that label a little bit. Um, I the found Satan myself one? kind of kind of dissatisfied with it. I feel like it's not serving oh. me the way that it used to. But yeah, I'm I'm still a member a member of the temple. I haven't like renounced it or anything. Now, how how would you renounce something like that? Like, what would be something you do in order to renounce it? Are you saying you I mean you become just a Christian probably to take be a good you way. off the list? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that. You know, it's funny. There are Christians that are members of TST. Like, you can be a, <laughs> you can be an ally. You can like because it's largely a political platform, right? So like if you're an ally, you're an ally. It doesn't matter what religion you are. Um You know, I, I think there's a lot of people that need to maybe do some separating because you all are being co opted. Take it from a Christian who's got the rainbow stolen. <laughs> um so I mean you know, it's like the no, like almost no one, unless you're like a three-year-old in a uh, Sunday school class, sees the rainbow and thinks God. Everyone sees that and thinks pride. <laughs> so um, at some point, I mean, I, I know there's this thing. It's like, you know, take the rainbow back. But I mean, you know, it's probably too far gone. It's going to take thing. some serious. No, it's it, well, okay. It, we well, it's going to take back. some. Okay. Until then, it's going to take some serious culture shift to uh, get that thing back. Um, which, I mean, you know, there's the rainbow and then there's a the rainbow flag. So, I mean, you know, I mean, they haven't taken the rainbow. They're just taking the flag and, you know, altered the colors a little bit. So, I mean, you know, maybe there's hope, Loop. I mean, Loop. Maybe there's hope, Lou. But um, until then, some other people are starting to get some of the, some of the precursors to what we got. Um, like, you know, I think the LGBT people, since they're so inclusive, um, you know, unless you're like, you know, Christian, straight and white guy. Um, but since they're so inclusive, they, they're are people who are including, you know, like whether they are literal practicing these things or they're just doing it to kind of like, you know, thumb the eye of people who who freak out or they do it to like provoke them kind of like, you know, the, the satanic temple or the church of Satan, whichever one did that, Jamesy, how it's like, well, you know, we don't really believe in Satan. We're a bunch of atheists, but, you know, we did this to kind of push back politically and kind of, you know, other people do it to kind of be like, oh, you want a church in every corner here? Here's a Baphomet statue. How about that? So, you know, for whatever reason, like they're not literal Satan worshipers. I mean, maybe there's a couple that believe in a, a literal Satan. But anyway, the same way, it seems like the LGBT QRS movement is is kind of bringing in pedophilia and Satan to that. Not saying they are or they do these things, but almost as a slight against people. And I think it's to their detriment. So now you've got like whenever you hear LGBT, 
the last thing you think of, like Christians and the Rainbow, when you hear just LGBT, the last thing you think of is like 30 years ago where it's just like two, you know, queen cut dudes. And they're like, hey, you know, we're just like you, except we're gay and we just want to get married and have a family. That's like the last thing you think of now because it's been so like cluttered and co-opted. The first thing everyone thinks about when they hear that is Satan and pedophiles because of just like all the drag queen story hour and all the like media frenzy and all the like stuff. It's, it's almost like satanic panic in the eighties that the last thing you think of is just like two dudes that want to have a family. Um, so anyways, that being said, Jamesy, it's probably not a terrible thing to, uh, to maybe distance yourself. Cause even though of course you're not one of those people and you don't even believe in a literal Satan, um, it, it seems like everyone's just kind of co-opting and creeping into these things that are unrelated. Uh, but now they're all getting like, mishmash together and being known for the same thing so it's like oh you're in the lgbt people oh you support pedophiles and satan and i can just see it's a matter of time oh you're in the satanic temple oh you're cool with gay people oh you're also cool with pedophiles like i don't know take it from a christian that's you know had the rainbow issue it, it just feels like that's where the culture is going what do you think am i crazy well i i think like the narratives that you're pointing at are largely driven by christians um if you look at drag queen story hour like that's not a sexualized show it's just somebody dressed in a certain way like reading a book like that's kind of the way it's been painted by christians but like i, I don't really have a problem with a more inclusive more accepting society i mean this is usually i quoted an argument the first one to say hitler loses but i mean um let's see not that drag queens in a library is inherently like they're doing strip shows. But what about like the video from like, you know, the Austin strip clubs where, where like the city council got pressure and they actually had to put out a notice that like minors were banned from it because of the videos that came out with legit drag queens in like lingerie and G-strings having little kids come up and like sit on their laps and put money in their thongs. Can we say would it say properly? That's, we what, gotta what, say you... men, men came out in, in their little thongs and stuff. Well, I mean, that's what a drag queen is. But anyways, not to get technical, but I mean, would you say that's like inclusive and loving or would you say, ah, you know, that's that's a, probably a little bit of a line? I mean, I'm going to be critical of allowing children into a into a sexual environment for sure. But like if it's then, a strip club, like why are kids in a strip club? That's a question. <laughs> that is a great question. And that's what everyone asked the uh, the people who were allowing that. So I don't know if it's still going on, but I know there's a lot of pressure to stop it because it was called like, uh, you know, let me, let me Google it. I think it was in Austin. I mean, it was in all kinds of places, but I think Austin, Texas is the one that got the spotlight because like videos came out and I, I, it was called like family something. So I don't know if they had it in the middle of the day. I don't know if they had it in the middle of the day or something, but, but yeah, like kids were in a legit strip club. But Jamesy, you said you would draw some kind of line. I mean, you may as well, you know, call Jesus Lord because that puts you squarely in our corner of hate-filled bigot mongers um, if you don't like that. <laughs> well, okay, so, like, I've done, like, uh, Drag Queen Brunch, right? And, like, that's a show that I wouldn't be ashamed to have children present in. Like, it, it's, just, it's just fun. But, uh, like, they weren't stripping, right? Like, there might have been, like, some quasi-sexual content but like i don't think it's anything that couldn't i i don't know like i think you're probably uh a lot more prudish about that stuff than i am and that's fine don't take your kids there yeah let me just let me just find this video real fast i'll link it to you
<laughs> but no, yeah. So I mean, um, gosh, I don't know how else to say this without being extremely graphic. But imagine, you know, a very large man. Um, you know, nothing against large men, but a very large man with a big hairy belly. Um, and all they're wearing is like a nightie up top, and what they're wearing on the bottom is a g-string. So you know, I'm I'm not that prudish. I mean, I think you know, there's there's a certain a bit of modesty in my spirituality. Um, but I mean, you know, I'm a red-blooded guy just like anyone else. So you know, generally speaking, let your freak flag fly, do what you want. Um, I may choose to to not uh, you know not participate, but um, you know, you do you. But when it's a bunch of adolescent like like not even adolescent like children like very, very children. Um, and you've got a guy in a G-string with the thing guys have, like right in front of their faces. Um, I don't know. It just seems like a little bit of a line. You know, even if they're like, oh, I'm reading, or, you know, I'm, I'm just dancing, I'm performing, I'm not doing anything sexual. Meanwhile, the thing is like almost slapping them in their face. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I would draw a bit of a line there. Yeah, I, I've seen these like nudist colonies that allow children... And like that certainly raises some flags for me, but like that's largely because like I sexualize nudity, like I associate nudity with sexuality. So, and uh, you know, the the framework for being a nudist isn't being like hypersexual. It's about like accepting bodies. So, I don't know. Yeah, like I'm not yeah. I'm not like a moral relativist, but I find myself kind of couching my judgment there. Affordable golf. Uh, yeah, I, I totally get that. And if it sounds like I'm distracted, my phone for some reason, like everyone in the world is trying to call me right now. I have no idea why. Maybe the sky's on fire. Um, anyways, but um, goodness, what was this? Yeah. So more relativists. I, I get it. And you know that that thing, like um, when they're like they're European. Like we we have people. I live in a big diverse community here, and there is a lot of people from like uh, Slavic countries here. So they'll have like little kids, like the, the, up at our community center, like we have a big pool and everything. And the staff always has to go out and be like, sorry, we don't allow kids to run around naked. You're going to have to put them in something. And these like three or four year old kids. And it's like every other day, it's like someone you see like a naked kid just go running across and like a parent's chasing after them and a staff member is chasing after them. They're like, we don't allow nudity here or not nudity. Like we, you know, you have to be clothed or you have to wear a swimsuit. That's the point. And people are and you know half the people are like um that's crazy how could a parent do that and then the other half are like oh they're european i'm like how how far does that excuse get you by like i mean i i don't know that'd be like an, uh, someone from texas going to europe and just like slaughtering a cow and like you know roasting a rare steak like, no no they're just american it's fine they're just american or i don't know someone from like a cannibal society be like oh they're just from a cannibal colony it's fine it's fine like, how long does that really get you by? And I mean, I guess, you know, there are some people who, like, I've talked to people before, atheists, funny enough, um, who they said they had, like, small children. They're like, yeah, we shower with them. It's no big deal. You know, we shouldn't be ashamed of bodies and shouldn't be ashamed of body parts and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. I never have, never will. It's just a little too close of a comfort, too much of a comfort issue for me. So I'm not going to do that. But um, then you see, like, people who, you know, like, well, our dear leader, Joe Biden, like showered with his daughter when she was nine, right? Apparently, um, a quote non-sexual shower, but it's through her into like drug addiction and rehab and therapy for thirty years because of it. And you know, she's like, it was totally inappropriate. And you know, that was presumably a non-sexual shower, but something should perhaps be left to mystery, right? So I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about it, James? Try to be as much devil's advocate as you can, because I, I 
I don't know. I mean, between sex and nudity, I get there's a divide, but obviously non-sex, just nudity still messes with some people and it causes them issues. So not for everyone or. Well, I, I think like the age of remembering is probably a good time to draw a hard line and say like, we're not going to do that anymore. But uh, for my daughter, like she became like pretty curious about what was going on well before the age of remembering. So like when we were potty training, we would use the bathroom together. When she was very young, we would shower together. But as soon as she started kind of like things started drawing her gaze, it became like pretty obvious that it was time to, to grow out of that. And like, I, I see naked kids at the beach sometimes, like normally it's like a pretty quick change, but like, I, I wouldn't let my kid be naked at the beach for any amount of time. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe you can't say I'm a prude, I guess. I never would have thought of myself that way, but yeah, I mean, maybe I am. Cause yeah, I just like no to all of it. Like, you know, when, <laughs> yeah, not one time would I ever consider like, you know, taking a shower with like my kids, even in, in the ra room. Like, I don't like, no one needs to see that. <laughs> like that. I don't know. Well, like I, I remember when we were talking about sex education, you were kind of of the opinion that like your wife is going to teach your kids everything that they need to know about sex. And you were pretty explicit about like not being willing to do that yourself. So um, saying like you don't want the state to do it and also you don't want to do it like, yeah, I think I think you have some barriers around sexuality and that's okay. Like, I just, I just don't think that everybody should have your standard, especially if you're going to expect your wife or for that matter, the school district to do it. Well, I mean, well, first of all, I never said the school district should do it. And I mean, you know, there's a fair amount of things I say that's tongue in cheek. So it's not like I'm never going to be like, Oh, okay. If you really want to know, and there's no one else. Sure. If your mommy is unable to handle this. Yeah. You know, guys have this thing and girls have that thing. And this goes there. I mean, it's not like I'm completely aversion, uh, have an aversion to it, but I mean, more so like the biological changes, right? Like, I don't need to discuss the upcoming changes of puberty and periods with my kid, right? So, I mean, you know, if I have to, like if mom gets hit by a bus and I'm like, okay, well, guess it falls to me. All right, kid, get ready to go through some changes. Here we go. Let's find out what we can, you know, find, uh, let's find out what kind of educational material we can find that doesn't end up you, you know, questioning your identity and, you know, having sex with like old ladies. Um, that's a shout out to the stuff in the the what is it um it's only natural or it's only right the the book that you know a lot of people are having problems with in schools um so let's just find something that talks about the medical and biological issues only and doesn't lead you down any you know any unnecessary like winding pathways so i mean i i can do it but i mean i don't why would i right like i mean you're married right so like do you um you wouldn't say you have an aversion but are you going to be like, well, as a man, let me mansplain your upcoming period to you. Or is she be like, hey, honey, can you talk about these changes going on? Because you've been there, you've lived it. I mean, you know, I'm not going to be as good at this as you. I lack experience. Um, so while you may be able to get through it and be like, okay, well, this is what the paper says. <laughs> um, you'd probably want your wife or someone like that to explain it, right? Because, I mean, they have experience riding the dragon. Yeah, and like that context is perfectly valid. If, if she's having her first period and she needs a broken door that's coming, you know, like then like obviously a woman is going to be a better uh, device to, to deliver that message. Like I, I'm not going to be able to, to share my experience on that. 
but like 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 I, I remember my daughter asking me like where babies come from and like there are so many ways to answer that question without being like explicit you, like like she knows I'm a science guy right so I can just say like that's a pretty like science heavy question like are you sure you want to like engage in this and like generally she'll just kind of roll her eyes and go like no I don't want to talk about science right now dad <laughs> you know so like that that's like all it takes but um like when when she did want to have that conversation it was okay well what do you know already and like what's your question specifically and we can kind of work through that and um you know like I didn't feel like she lost any innocence in that in fact like a couple months later she came back and asked me like where do babies come from? So like, she literally forgot, like they, they, they don't care. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anyone else have anything to say about that? Wonderful. Anyway, yeah, so I guess to recap, uh, somewhere between, you know, dudes having sex with kids and not being, you know, um, having an issue or an aversion to telling kids about the coming changes in their bodies. So find a happy medium there, everyone. I guess that's the lesson for today. Nate, I'm sorry, but that was a train going by. I can't help that. <laughs> oh yeah, I was just trying. I was trying to like mute, and it wouldn't let me because you know Clubhouse is great like that. So it wouldn't le wouldn't let me. So all I could do was just drop you. That's okay. No problem. Uh, from what I'm hearing, because I'm I'm at a, I'm at a pickup point, so I'm trying to be quiet right now. But uh, hearing about these things, there was a, a bishop. Uh, Bishop Larry Trotter got into some things when he was in his swimming trunks and his granddaughter, his little baby granddaughter, uh, he, he took, his daughter took the picture and everybody knew thinking it was a smile and a wave type of picture. And they, and, and people had a problem with that. But his daughter took the picture and people tried to make a big mess out of it, and it was nothing. It was totally innocent. Um, and this happened, this might be like four years ago. And maybe five at the most. And what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, I'm seeing is uh, people have taken. We, had, we forget that we all used to bathe together when we didn't have showers and, and tubs and all these kinds of things. We had to take a bath. We had to get into the, um, I think it's a Western thing where we're so more reserved, if you, if you will. Um, because I know one thing, when I was in the military and uh, we had community showers, and there was the only, there was partitions but that was it yeah, when so, I was uh, at, when I was at basic training it was just one room 
So there were there were no yeah, partitions. Yeah, that's basic training. I'm talking about when you get to your duty station. You know, you you, 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 you have your tours, tours of duty, like over in Korea. Or, yeah. yeah, there were partitions, but there were no. <laughs> there was no. Uh, what's the word? I'm, there, there was no doors to close. So they, they finally, what they finally did was they had the, they put they gave a floor for the um, for the women, and the men had their floor too. So, yeah, but like I said, I think it's generally a cultural thing, and not necessarily a sexual. thing. Because I know I know there's some pedophiles out here, Lord, they sick to me. Um, we've come to the we've come to the point now in this cancel culture um, since it uh, since it became a thing to cancel folk. Side on the left, move to the right, standing on and, and everybody's so thin skinned now. And I wonder why, how that happened when you, because when I was coming up, you had to develop some tough skin in the, uh, in the from the end of the 60s through the 70s and 80s when I was in high school. So early 80s when I was in high school. So I, I don't get this non-tough skin people anymore. Thank you. Well, I mean, what does that, what does that mean though? Like, I don't, I mean, there's a, there's a time for, I don't know. That's like a whole, whole can of worms though. Like, what do you mean by thin skin? Because, you know, people are so thin skin and they, well, hang on. I, that's rhetorical. I'll, I'll explain. Sean, man, you've got, you got tons of road noise. You've got so much background noise, but I mean, you know, there's a, you could say it's thin skin or, oh, you know, like you were just talking about the, the pedos or like, you know, the minor attracted people that are, are, you know, the, dismissing which is hilarious and sad the sound of freedom and they're like no this doesn't happen trafficking doesn't happen no it's incorrect um and then you like find out like they support like the miners for you know whatever like the pedal group like nambla or whatever like man boy love um they're like spokespersons for them it's like wow this is just so in your face like talk about like gaslighting so is it like thin skin to be like oh you know they can say it doesn't exist and they want to have sex with kids and not fine or is that a time to be like, okay, well, let's, if you want to say thin skinned because we stand against that and we want to cancel that, then yeah, I guess we're thin skinned versus somebody's like, well, you know, just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I hate you and they're thin skinned and go absolutely crazy, like setting their hair on fire. So, you know, you, each person could say the other is thin skinned, but I guess it's subjective on where's the appropriate line to be like, sure, you can call me that, but that's the right thing to do. Uh, versus, you know, stop being a baby. Uh, 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 here's here's the thing. Of course, but I, you know, I just I just said pedophilia was, whole, was horrible, wrong, and it's an abomination for the Lord. Uh, and we got these folks out here. There's this Nambla, this group of Nambla. I didn't hear about them until the '80s, uh, during the time Phil Donahue. I think had them on on his talk show, 
and the guy was making some sick things, and I, it's much you know. So I'm not stopping listening. I come, I, I'm stopping listening because they about to make some you know, a lot of noise on this truck. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, Jamesy, I don't know. We have another topic. I think that may have run its course. Well, I'll just put a bow on it, saying you know my dad had a gym membership until I was like nine or ten years old, and uh, you know m- minors were expected to be in the accompaniment of their same-sex parent, and it was a men's-only you know locker room, and there were a, a lot of naked men, and I don't I don't think I'm any like worse off for it. I I think it, you know it's fine. Apparently, it used to be a lot more normal than it is today. I do think when you're crossing sexes, it gets uh, pretty ugly pretty fast. And when you have unattended minors, you, you have a problem. Yeah. And I mean, you, you know, what, what once was normal, it's like maybe maybe it's become unnormal um, for like the, the wrong reasons, right? Like the people who, who would like to, to have it stay normal they've like pushed the envelope so far in the other direction that that could be why it's normal. Not that people just all of a sudden got more like, um, more like standoffish about it just for no reason or for their own devices. But it's because, because maybe the people like, you know, integrated sexuality into it at some point, like strip clubs, um, you know, with the kids and the G string thing more than they should have. And they kind of blurred those lines, hoping to make it more acceptable and more inclusive. And by doing that, it actually had the opposite result. So maybe now that's why the, the Western culture is a little more like, whoa, what? What are you doing? I don't know about that. Um, where, you know, 30 years ago, we'd be like, yeah, just take them to the locker room. It's fine. Yeah, I think I think my actual hot take on this is that we became aware of how widespread sexual abuse was and we've overcompensated. And like finding finding balance when there's momentum is is a challenge. But uh, I, I do have another topic, if, you, if you're ready for attack. Ha, yes. I have a feeling that'll be easier than what we just talked about, trying to navigate those waters. But yeah, go ahead. What's up? So, so it occurs to me that the vast majority of Christian churches have a, like an open financial report. Like they're just very transparent about how money gets spent. You can go to a website and you don't even have to be a member to kind of see how money is spent by that church. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's odd to me that that we don't just make that legislation because it seems like the only church that it would affect would be the ones that are like using that money to hide pedophile priests and stuff. Like why why don't we just let churches have the same 501c status as every other 501c? Separation of church and state. There's the difference. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, that lauded whole separation of church and state thing, you know, goes both ways. Yeah, the the point is, if you want to have like the the the, the tax part where, you, where like the place that generates income doesn't have to report their taxes, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have to be transparent about their finances. Right, but like legislation making churches do anything would be a violation of separation of church and state. Like the whole point of the idea that Thomas Jefferson was talking about in that letter was not that churches not participate in the government. It was the government stay out of churches because really, really, 
really bad things happen when government gets involved in churches. Yeah, I'm not suggesting that governments get involved in churches. I'm suggesting that churches be transparent about where their money goes. Right, but if the government is making that suggestion by legal weight, that is the definition of government getting involved. <laughs> I mean, what's the enforcement mechanism? I mean, eventually it is guys with guns that show up to arrest somebody. Yeah, so I mean, I agree with you on before the government stuff. Like, sure, be transparent, whatever. Um, and if you're, I mean, you have the right to not be transparent. And if you aren't transparent, then you know that may raise some questions, and I may not go to that church. Um, but if you want to, fine, it's your right. The government's not going to force you because you know our constitution. Um, but yeah, I, I would no, not get behind the government doing that because, I mean, just the the obvious problems with it. Right. I mean, like. Eventually, guys with guns show up to arrest somebody if they do not comply. You know, I mean, like, that's the very definition of an interfere of the government interfering with a church. Um, you know, so, I mean, the other thing, too, is that, like, there are a lot of churches, apparently, and I learned this on Clubhouse just recently, that are not financially transparent um, and apparently this is a huge problem. Maybe Sean can talk to this a little, a little bit, but this is a huge problem with a lot of Pentecostal churches. Um, they just simply refuse to publish to even to their own members or even their own boards in some cases, anything about transparency, including pastor salaries and things like that. Like they just refuse. Like I can walk into my church and, and ask the, the comptroller, I was like, "Hey, can I can I see the spreadsheet?" And it'd be like, "Cool, you know, or you know, can I see the can I see the balance sheet or the you know whatever else?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, sure, here you go." And then once a year, they publish it in our Grace magazine, you know, like all of the financials and where all the money goes. So like, that has been normal to me. But apparently, there's an entire other subculture in Christianity that will never tell you how much uh, salary somebody makes or whatever. I, I don't know. Sean, do you, have you ever experienced that? Uh, well, yeah, I've seen I've seen collections taken up. Um, I've seen offerings taken up. But at the end of the year, at the end of the year, well, I know they do it in, uh, at the, in the Baptist churches in Detroit. At the end of the year, they give you, everybody, what you gave for the year. In fact, it's printed for everybody to see. Everybody, what they gave for the year, uh, and they, they say you can use that for your taxes and, and what have you. Um, but uh, I've never had to go into the financial secretary's office and ask to see the books. I've never had to do that. Yeah, I mean, I don't generally. I wouldn't really care that much anyway, but like, you know, I guess, so, so Jamesy, the, the, the real question is, is like the churches that don't have open financial books, there's a whole, there's a whole uh, financial accountability organization. And actually they just posted the 10, the top 10 quote unquote ministries that are the least um, financially transparent. And they do this every year basically to shame those quote-unquote ministries, but most of them are what we would call um, word-faith cults. 
they aren't really Christian churches. So like Benny Hinn and, you know, folks like that, like all of these guys have very not transparent books because they're basically stealing all the money. Like, you know, most of these, most of these word faith cults, you know, the guy at the top is taking millions of dollars for himself. Um, you know, and that's just, that's just the way of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm under the impression that this carve-out largely exists because churches provided some essential function for society. But if the church is just going to be a, a profit institution, then they should pay taxes. And, like, the, I, I think the, the group that this is going to affect the most is Catholics because they're the ones that are, like, spending gratuitous amounts of money to move around pedophile priests. And if the congregations were aware of that, they might be less prone to putting money in the plate. Well, you know, I, I don't know if it's because there's so many pedophile elite government ruling class that it takes away from the attention of what the Catholic Church has had in the past. Um, or if the Catholic Church has kind of got their house in order and stopped so much of that nonsense. Um, because right now the spotlight is on, you know, all the like rich, you know, debutante rulers and leaders of our world who apparently are caught up in all kinds of pedo stuff. Um, so, so I, I don't know, like if the Catholic cheese, uh, Catholic cheese, if the Catholic church has reigned in some of that, then good for them. Um, if it's still the same, but it's just unnoticed because so many other people in so many other government and walks of life are now pedos, um, and that's going on. Um, well then it's bad for both of them. Um, uh, but I mean, whenever we talk about for profits, you know, find a church, like, you know, Michael has the example, like in the, in the Vatican or wherever it is, the giant golden wall. Great. Um, you know, maybe start a petition to, I don't know, do something with that. But I mean, for when, by wanting to get at the small percentage of Catholic churches that maybe abuse money or get ungodly amounts of money, there's like 99% of them that do not do that and they scrape by. So by punishing one or by fairly and legally legislating whatever one, you're absolutely, you know, sticking it to all the others. Maybe they don't have a secretary. Maybe they're not great at keeping notes. Maybe it's the one pastor who's also the staff priest, who's also the uh, you know secretary, who's not so great at accounting. So you know it would be unfortunate if he you know missed a number here and there and got in all kinds of legal trouble that because they don't have ungodly amounts of money also can't pay. Like there's just so many pro problems. Like ultimately, like you don't even need to be a religious person. There's plenty of atheist conservatives who would take this position. Just government, as much stuff as you could possibly stay out of, stay out of it. Um, anyway, that's my position. Love yeah, you, government. I'm I, on your side. I think that's a really, really reasonable objection. Um, but, I, but I also think that the vast majority of churches, like, it wouldn't even be a speed bump for them. It would just be a matter, matter of, like, uploading one additional file because, like, they already do that work. Anyway, I gotta go back upstairs. Maybe I'll be able to rejoin the stage in an hour. Thanks for the chat. Okay. Sure. Yeah, and so like my church is a five hundred one c three, for instance. Like that's the way we've structured ourselves. Um, you know, that obviously no church should ever pay taxes. Um, I think that's a, I think that's an immediate, you know, First Amendment problem in America. Um, so, you know, there is that as well. But would I love to see, like, you know, Kenneth Copeland Ministries shut down and Kenneth Copeland ejected into the sun? Like, yeah, absolutely.
Hey, CEO. Good morning. Hey, so Chris ejected uh, into the sun named Jesus. Is that what you're hoping for, Kenneth Copeland? That's I mean, how I heard it. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. I mean, it'd probably cost like really huge amounts of money to actually like put them on a rocket and point it at the sun and get it there. So it probably wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> You We're know, just arrested for fraud. You know, I have seen down through the years folk who just say, well, if you send me X amount of dollars. So let's I'll, see. I'll send your prophecy or X amount of dollars. I'll, uh, uh, I'm going to send you this prayer cloth or this oil, and it's no bigger than a ketchup packet <laughs> or, or a soy sauce packet. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to get a fake uh, oil seed sewing rag, I mean, it needs to at least be a proper size. I remember this one guy... His name was Robert Tilton. I don't know if he's still alive. He's Oklahoma. Based. Oh, he's still alive. He's here in Florida. Okay. Well, one day, he sent me a letter saying, if you just sew one, I don't want you to do is sew one penny. I said, a penny? I said, okay, I can send that in the mail, no problem. This is years ago. This is about when I was really young in the, in the faith. Um, but then he said, okay. Two weeks later, he sent the same letter with that with a packet of oil that had, uh, that was red dye. It was red dye. Red dyed olive oil. I knew what it was. Uh, and and a prayer cloth wasn't really a prayer cloth. It was It was a it was a napkin, a fancy napkin. And I'm like, you're real? I said, I, I went and took this, I went and took it to my pastor. And my pastor told me, he said, he said, Sean, because I wasn't even licensed or dang yet. He said, Sean, Only sow into places where you know you, that the Lord will lead you to trust. Don't sow into There's a lot of charlatans out here. And he was right. And I and I never sold another. I ain't even sold. I ain't sold that. I ain't put the penny in that he asked for. It was a trip. So I remember. I got I got history about that. Amen. How do you know that uh, anointing oil he sent you isn't a reason for every blessing in your life today? I'm going to go out on a limb. <laughs> you, my wife even laughed on that one. <laughs> Here's the thing. Everything that, well, I know the Lord said give and you'll come back to me. All right. But I know one thing. It's more than just Sowing a penny, 
So in that little penny, I know it was me talking to the Lord, praying, restudying and reading his word. I know it was then he said, because I poo-pooed. I, you know what? I had a real problem with seminaries for years. And but uh, the one thing about it is that's taught in the Word of Faith Church. They're very non-seminarian. They have, they have their own schools, right? Like they usually have their own type. Oh, no, they have yeah, they have Rama Bible uh, University in, in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, actually, Broken Arrow, a suburb of Tulsa. Um, but that's that's the biggest school they have. Um, started by the late Kenneth E. Hayes. Um, but I know once I went to. I, I had a chance to, someone offered me a chance to go to C.H. Mason University in Memphis, Tennessee, which is uh, the Church of God in Christ. Uh, it's their Bible college and theological seminary. The Church of God has a, 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 a university, Bible college and theological seminary in Cleveland, Tennessee, where I live, where I lived. And also uh, the own school where I am a teacher. But uh instructor has a Bible college university and theological seminary so uh, all of that I'm saying is education is important because you got folk out here who will teach you some foolishness and you won't understand anything that's why I wound up going to Liberty University that's why I wound up going to Waterfall Bible Institute. And not only did I go there, they made me the historian. Because the, the chancellor of that school said, I don't know how you know theology without taking one theology course, but you know theology. <laughs> and we used uh, Lewis Schaefer's uh, systematic theology, I believe, back in that time. <clears throat> There's a little, there's a little uh, testimony. Praise God. Well then, good morning, Pastor Mark. I sent out some invites to you people down there. If you want to join, join. If not, well, say something in chat, or I guess just listen to us. Pretty sure that Pastor Mark has made midgets grow. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually a thing. Chris, have you been uh, taking it to any people who needed to be told to read a book or anything this morning, or schooling anybody, as it were? <laughs> no. I took my kid to Drumline this morning, and now I've got a grab my father-in-law, take him to adult daycare, check in on my wife who was sick yesterday, and then I gotta go see a client. Ah. 
You know, uh, Apostle talking about Word of Faith reminded me, like, I think it was a few years ago where there was this whole big movement around Rhema and Logos, and there was all these people preaching about it and making it seem all deep, and that was, like, the big thing. Do you remember that, Chris? Uh, yeah, they still do it. I think it's interesting how these trends pop up and then just, like, catch fire. Yeah. I mean, I think it's died out on here because there's too many people that have Greek. Um, and they call it out right away and they just tell everybody it's nonsense and, you know, it goes away. Kind of like, um, it was kind of funny, you know, um, Bradley or, uh, you know, Anson on here. He just finished his first semester of Greek intensive, and he's in the middle of his second semester of Greek intensive. And um, <laughs> and uh, OJ, uh, I don't know if you, the Unitarian guy was trying to pass off some kind of Greek stuff, and so somebody with one semester of Greek was able to just blow this guy up and be like, "Look, you have no idea what you're talking about," you know. And then he started asking him questions about the Greek because he was trying to use the Greek, and then the guy's like, no, this is just tricky. You're just being tricky. And he's like, no, I'm just asking you if this is accusative or nominative. <laughs> and <laughs> it was it was brutal, Nate. I mean, it was like the guy was just, like, stammering, and, like, he didn't know what to say, and he clearly doesn't know anything about Greek or grammar. And, uh, yeah, the, the 19-year-old kid just schooled this guy hard. Hey, Felix, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. I just, uh, I just, I just had a thought. I'm like, am I, the, uh, am I, am I, <laughs> is that what you smell burning? No, I'm just kidding. Um, the, uh, the, it, okay. I'll just say it straight out. It bothers me. It bothers me a lot when I, when I go into a church and the church is painted dark on the inside, looks like a nightclub. I can't stand it. And that's all I have to say. Oh, uh, well. But church is supposed to be a party for the Holy Spirit, so what's the issue? No, I think the church should, have, should be full of light. <laughs> we are of the light, not the darkness. Inner light? I mean, we have cool lights. We have lasers. No, no strobe lights, just light. <laughs> lasers, man. Lasers. Oh, Nate, dude, I met a Yo. guy you need yes. to make a special guest. This guy needs to be a special <laughs> guest of AAC. Okay. He is. He is the cannabis minister. Oh, he I saw that guy. He was here the other day. We. Yeah, we didn't get to talk to him because you guys it. wouldn't wouldn't be quiet, and he ran off. Bro, that guy, man, he rolled up in a room and it was so entertaining. And I was busting out all the jokes and like just clowning on this guy. He kept getting more and more mad. And, you know, he was calling down curses on us. It was fantastic. Oh, okay. I, I missed that part. So, so the cannabis guy like believes in more than just like a holy smoke or something? Oh, 
dude, he, his entire theology is wrapped up in weed. It's unbelievable. Oh. I was like, I was like, man, I thought Patrick was creative. I thought baptized by Jesus was creative. Nah, this guy must have been sitting around some table with his buddies with a tape recorder on, just like recording stuff while they were like baked, and that's his theology. Wow. It was, it was impressive. I was like, and so actually pastor Mark down there turned me on to this guy. Cause you know, pastor Mark runs in those circles. (laughs) 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 No, no, no. But seriously, like, I guess, I guess the guy came into one of the rooms that pastor Mark frequents and pastor Mark thought it was so bizarre. He sent me a sound clip and I was like, well, okay. And then I ran into it myself, and I was like, man, this is everything that Pastor Mark made it up to be. This is great. It was amazing. <laughs> well, the uh, the nightclub comment reminded me there was this guy, uh, we still around, Reverend Tony Lee out of D.C. He used to have a strip club ministry, and they would basically go out the strip outside of the strip clubs and uh, evangelize to the strippers after a shift. Uh, is that the type of ministry you want, Chris? That's. Um, no. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't want to be inappropriate if he's doing God's work, but I mean, you know, I see how that could turn some heads. No thanks. I mean, Chris, people need to put themselves through law school somehow. I'm sure every one of those folks has uh, now got a PhD <clears throat> in some obscure academic field. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, like, the cannabis dude was just, I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> Pastor Mark says, outside the club, okay. Inside, no. Well, what, what was an example of his theology? Oh, Weed, like, right. So, so he was in a room that was trying to describe Catholicism and like figure out what, what the differences are between Catholic, Catholics, Orthodox and Protestant. And, you know, it was, a, it was a halfway decent room. And there was this I mean, there was this lady who was running. It was just genuinely interested in real answers, not just bickering. And this dude rolls in there trying to say that he's Catholic and that he's going to teach her all about Catholic doctrine. And I'm like. What? And then he starts talking about how transubstantiation in Catholicism is all about cannabis and that the crackers that they originally used were weed crackers. And like, I mean, it just it went on and on. Literally anything you can think of, like the he talked about the burning bush. Like, I, I am not uh, even uh, the burning bush was like, you know, it was like, it's a bush on fire, man. You know, and Moses was getting that high. Yeah, like, that's, there you go. Well, where do we go from here? Pastor Charles is on the is on the Chris train this morning. He's talking about how some of the charismatics are just mentally ill. That's pretty fantastic. 
but all right, Bob. Not, not enough people are talking. Come on up and talk to Chris. Tell him how he's no. doing. Bob somehow broke oh, into my room the last like two days. Like I, I didn't invite anyone. Like people just like show up w without me like inviting them, that, and I'm the only mod. You had but that today, new guy mod. Whoever what that guy? dude was, you had. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, some guy yesterday. Yeah, you had someone else as a mod yesterday, Nate. It might have been a mistake. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I did do that because I was I was having technical trouble, so I was I, yeah, I, I think Caleb. That's who it was. Yeah, I don't think I met him before, but yeah, I mean, I, I just needed someone to invite some people up. I think he invited your job. He invited me up, so I came up. Oh, good. We can't hear you, Bob. I'm going to have a legitimate excuse to drop you in a bit. <laughs> Bob, we still are waiting he for you to get together with Yaju. We want to hear that whole thing, man. Bob, you got the floor. Don't let us down. I got a bar, too. Probably can't hear me. No, we can hear you, unfortunately. But, uh, I, um, I don't know. I don't know I if y'all I don't know if you still in the state of Louisiana or not. I hadn't heard from him lately. Yeah, bro. He works at a car wash in Baton Rouge. <clears throat> oh, that was a great day. I thought Jesus was a carpenter, not 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 a person, someone who was a car wash. Apparently, a stonemason. What do you think about that, Chris? Where people think carpenter, and uh, I guess someone was saying that that could be uh, some sort of craftsmanship, not necessarily a woodworker, but uh, it could be a stonemason. What do you think? Do you give that theory any credibility? No. Anyone? No. Alrighty. Tough uh, job. I want to know when. Uh, I want to know wh what, what. When next month, uh, Chris wants me to come down and preach for him. <laughs> he says. He says what? a Saturday night. He says a Saturday night, a Sunday morning. I think. I, I, I'm pretty free next month. Random guy, we're going to have to rely on you to get this uh, conversation going. It's like pulling teeth here today. <laughs> What's up, Random? All right. I'll, I'll get something going for you, Nate, just because you asked. I appreciate uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Is, is being all, uh, let's see, is being all just uh, contradictory with any amount of practice of mercy. You're right. I did ask for that. <laughs> okay. Is being all just, what was the next part? Basically, uh, yeah, yeah. So if you practice mercy, mercy is the suspension of justice. So can you be all just and practice mercy? Uh, let's see. Before, <clears throat> ooh, I'd love Pastor Mark to, to help me navigate these waters if he could. Okay, so first of all, does is there some scriptural thing that says God is all just, like 100% only justice, because it also talks about grace, which is unmerited favor, which which you would say would, I mean, if you have just if you have justice and grace, then you couldn't be 100% of one because that would rule out the other, right? Correct. So yeah, that, someone tell me fun. if there's like a, 
someone tell me if there's a Bible verse that's speaking against what I'm saying, because I'm thinking just because, you know, it's commonly understood, uh, all these like Christian tropes, like, you know, God is, God is love, God is this, God is this, God is omnipresent, omni whatever, omnibenevolent, see right there. So like, I'm trying to like separate what the Bible actually says with common tropes. Some are true, some are not, like omnibenevolence, that's not in the Bible. Um, so is there any reason God would have to be 100% just? Because I don't think so, because if he's 100% just, then that means there's no grace, but we're saved by grace through faith. So uh, random, what I'm getting at is I'm wondering if we can just skip this whole question. Um, if you're all just, does that mean you can't be merciful? Because from the Christian paradigm, I, I think we can just pull vault over this because we can say God doesn't have to be 100% just because there is grace. So unless someone's going to tell me I'm wrong and there's a Bible verse, but I mean, yeah, we're saved by grace through faith. So wrong. you can't, I, oh, well, okay. Well, can you, you help me out there? Because if you're, I got so, a verse, so would you I be like, well, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Wait, wait, stop. <laughs> Let me get my thought out. I, I, okay. So would we say he's hundred percent just in the justice he does, but then that's a different category from grace because if, if, if it was justice and we all get what we deserve, it's hell. So, okay. Now go ahead, Sean. And then Chris, I'd love to hear you guys. All right. Uh, well, the Bible verse I'm going to point out uh, is Micah 6, 8. I'm reading from the New King James. It says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Not what God requires, not what man requires of God, but what God requires of you. But to do justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly. Let me back this for a minute. Humbly with the Lord your God. Uh, namely God is just God is a merciful God but he's also holy as well but that's why Christ is sent because with Christ comes the spirit of holiness Romans chapter 1 that, that doesn't really address the question actually it does but I'm doing it in a different way <clears throat> So, so what we would say is that God is maximally and infinitely all of his attributes. There's not one attribute that he is more of than another. So if we say 100%, that's just a way of saying God's mercy is infinite and yet his justice is infinite. And what we have to understand in classical theology, what we understand God's attributes to be are that... <clears throat> Um, he is uh, going to express wrath, mercy, justice um, from his love. And so those are all a subset of his love. And so wrath, mercy, and justice are not things in and of themselves, but they are expressions of God's love. Hello? Uh, hello. Give us one second. Uh, random, did that... Do you want to respond to Chris real quick? Sure, yeah. Uh, so I guess I, I kind of understand wh what he said. Uh, however, I, I guess I'm still hung up. Just, just so we're clear, there is an agreement that mercy and justice cannot be happening at the same time. No, sometimes justice is merciful. So like, you know, the, they're all 
they're all a subset of God's love. So when God so sends I, I, somebody I, I, to hell, it's it's a it's both a function of His justice and a function of His mercy. But mercy is the suspension of justice. Well, that's one definition. So, you know, mercy is going to be um, a. I wouldn't say a suspension of justice. It is going to be a different outcome of what the punishment is. And so, for instance, when God is merciful on us um, as believers, it's not that he's subsuming his justice. It's that his justice has been satisfied on the cross. And so that is the way that he gives us grace and mercy is that his justice had already been satisfied on the cross by Jesus. Yeah, I guess also, are we saying that pardons can never be justice? That seems awkward. Right. So a pardon without a punishment is not just. So like, you know, if, if the, if you pardon somebody who's genuinely guilty, if you have an ax murderer who's killed 13 people and you pardon that person, that is not a just act. Those 13 people were all murdered. But now, it is murdered. Sorry. But it would count as being merciful. I don't. I don't think that would be merciful at all. How How is that merciful to the families of the people that he had murdered? You know, I, I think that injustice is not a function of mercy. I think that I think that uh, you know justice and mercy go hand in hand. Well, but let's use an. Uh more practical example of um, in a state, someone has some cannabis on them for old archaic law, has them in prison for X years, a new governor changes the law and then decides to pardon that person. That is, I think, a more practical example. Right, but you're changing the law, so now you're changing the function of justice. Well, but but e but each God's but changing, law is but, but typically changing the law wouldn't be retroactive. So normally he would still have to serve out his sentence, but if the governor decides to pardon him, then that is trying to basically say, hey, you know, this law was kind of ridiculous. Uh, it was justice at the time, but we are going to pardon you because we think you've served enough. Sure, but again, that's not going to, that's not going to apply to the immutability of God and the immutable law of God. Um, you know, we can have human examples of justice and mercy, but those are only pale comparisons to the, you know, I, I don't want to say platonic ideal because that's not really what it is, but the, the immutable law of God that he has laid down, you know, Can I also sin must be punished with death. That's the, that is the immutable law of God. See, that's, that's what I'm talking about though. If, if, if sin must be punished with death and we're the ones that sin, how is us not essentially having that punishment because it's transferred to somebody else? How is that not somehow a suspension of justice? Because it's transferred not just to somebody else, but it's transferred to God himself. All right, so well, God... Let's work with the example of a, of a woman and Jesus told them not to cast stones. How would you square that scenario? So, first of all, the, you have to understand what's going on. And first of all, it's textual variant. That's the first thing. Um, I'm not real sure it's canon, but the next part is that I would say that this was a trap that the Pharisees were laying for Jesus. This was not 
um, somebody who was looking for justice because the Jews did not have the ability to execute people. Um, you know, the Romans only did. And so the trap was if Jesus said, yeah, stoner, then the Romans would have picked him up and executed him for being an insurrectionist. If the, you know, if Jesus said, hey, no, whatever she did is cool, then it would, you know, destroy his ministry and, you know, he would not be, you know, for justice. Um, so he dealt with it in the very way that he needed to in order to uh, escape the trap that the Pharisees had let, you know, led for him. I was going to offer up an example of um, God's justice and his mercy being shown at the same time. And I would use the example of, and this may not be a good example, but I'll, I'll share it anyway. The issue with the Amalekites, right? God, God told them to destroy the Amalekites and all that, even the babies and everything, right? It was being, were being punished for all their, you know, um, you know, their, 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 um, their idolatry and, and you know, all the atrocities against, you know, killing the small babies, sacrificing them to the false gods. And so God is, God is um, acting, you know, acting on his justice on that crime, on those sins, but at the same time showing mercy because it's going to stop all the killing. It's, it's, it's actually showing mercy on them also because it would prevent from the killing from, from going on. I don't know if that makes any sense yet. But is mercy the right word in that situation, basically, in that context? In many many cases, his just his his justice is an, an act of mercy. Like you would want you would want, for example, well, I'll just leave it there. It just seems like maybe maybe we have a different understanding of what the word mercy means. Perhaps. Yeah, that could be. And, you know, the idea of mercy in God's economy is going to be slightly different as well. You know, simply because we're talking about divine attributes and we can only define divine attributes by our experience as humans. And those don't fully express what those attributes are actually like. That just seem that just seems like special pleading in that situation. Well, it's just it's just, you know, an understanding of, you know, we don't have any understanding of how multiple attributes can be infinite at the same time. Um, we don't have an understanding of, you know, what God's love is actually like. We have analogs, we have descriptions, we have ideas. Um, but we don't have, we don't have direct experience because that would require us to be God. From my personal perspective, I would count that as a reason to be skeptical of the ability for those things to be in the way that you claim that they are. Sure. You know, I mean, the fact that we can only have analogs to these things, you know, is definitely an objection, and, and I wouldn't have a problem with that. You know, we, we could go through why we have analogs, you know, because we're talking about a ultimate being that is ultimately indescribable by the human mind.
Right. And in, in that situation, it just sounds like you were the best we can do is imagine. I would not disagree with that. Oh, I feel bad. The some the person that came up left. Yeah, I know. I tried to. I was trying to call on her, but she like took off really quick, so she didn't wait around. Yeah, I always hate that. Like whenever, uh, whenever we never get to people on time. Except that I mean, she waited like a minute. Like I planned on going right to her, but she's like, nah, and <laughs> peaced out really quick. <clears throat> hey, Detroit. Welcome. Hey, how you doing, Nate? Good, good. How about yourselves? I'm doing pretty good. I had a question for Joseph. I see Joseph up here. Oh, all right. I wonder, I wonder if he can help me out right quick. I wanted to, uh, my question is, Joseph, I want to know who was hell prepared, prepared for? Who was hell prepared for? Help me out there, Joseph. Set the devil in his angels. Okay, thank you. I'll go back down now. Thank you, guys. Thank you again, Joseph. <laughs> But that doesn't mean a human being can't go there. Okay, thank you, Joseph. I was busy earlier when I was on, uh, Nate, but I actually, and Chris, I actually uh, spent some time in uh, in the Cannabis Preacher's room and uh, had a solid chat with him. It was so enjoyable <laughs> how um how did you find that conversation i've i've never met the guy i saw he was in i think he was in my room the other day but he left before i could call on him i think i think my favorite part was when i was having a chat with him and i just asked about uh miracles and he's like yeah all miracles in the bible can can totally happen and i'm like oh okay so they did happen so like you know you know rising from the dead, you know, walking on water, those kinds of things. And he's like, well, no, they didn't actually happen. And I'm like, wait, so, so did they, or didn't they happen? And he's like, well, no, because those are phys you know, those are scientifically impossible. So it can't happen scientifically impossible. Oh, he sounds lovely. Oh man. It was, he was bouncing back and forth. It was, it was a good time. His his theology his his theology is all kinds of messed up. I forget. Did you used to be a Christian, or you never were? Yeah, you know, I was a Christian uh, Lutheran specifically. I uh, enjoyed delving deep, although I can't say I delved super deep, but I I, I enjoyed my. Well, really? Is it going to be a quick day today? I don't know. I got a couple of more. I got an hour and a half more driving. Where are you driving to, Bob? Headed back home. Babysitting days are done. Wife has chemo. 
therapy Thursday. What's the day? Tuesday. Yeah. I'm I'm headed north. All right, we'll just take this moment of silence. I'd like to be coming to Florida, but I'm not headed that way today. We're full. <laughs> just kidding. Well, I mean, well, I guess we are kind of full. Well, I had some good, I, I ate alligators and uh, soft shell crab yesterday, and uh, that was good. Okay, glad to glad to hear it. I guess. Do you know where Apalachicola is, Bob? Yeah, that's in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> you just struck me as someone that would know that. <laughs> I uh, we when we first uh, moved to Florida, we were we were driving, and we we came we didn't want to go through the interstate because it was a little bit out of our way, so we thought we'd take the scenic drive, and we landed there. It was actually a pretty cool little place, but it was like, man, it was like the place time forgot. Like, you had like the 1950s, like gas gas station type things, like the little town square. And uh, yes, they had alligator. Well, it was the 1960s when I first came to Florida. So uh, I, I probably went down that highway. <clears throat> I'm uh, I'm originally from Florida myself, and uh, gotta say I do not miss it. <laughs> Where are you at now? Uh, the complete other side of the United States. I'm in Washington State. I used to live there. <laughs> it, honestly, I spent a lot of time outdoors and doing outdoor stuff, and so uh, when I came, first came to the Northwest, it was a really weird experience because I was born and raised in Florida. Uh, it was a really weird experience. Uh, experiencing nature that's not constantly trying to kill you in every conceivable way <laughs> yeah that is true everything here wants to kill you it's like australia <laughs> yeah that, that may be a place worse than here i suspected it is but uh not that everything's good at trying to kill you necessarily in florida but it sure does try. <laughs> landing in australia and they just got like you know one one look at that place and they're like nah this plane is way too dangerous to invade <laughs> i mean it even goes into the little things like there there are little ants here they're like little black sugar ants and I just had little mini panic attacks every time I saw them for the first time when I was up here. I was like, oh, no, ants are here. And everybody's like, no, they're just ants. Yeah, you can go swim in a lake up there and not have something try to eat you. The weirdest experience. You don't have to have this idea, this little thing in the back of your head going, all right, just keep it up. And the water is not like a sauna. Although you know, we were at the beach. Bears. We were at the beach the other day, and the uh, oh, it's so nice. Like I, I like warm water. I like to be comfortable. So it was it was great. <laughs> like the beach in the middle of summer. <clears throat> 
I, I guess I do admit that I do miss Florida in like the depth of winter over here. I mean, even in winter, is it starting to get cold now and snowing? Because whenever I was there, it really never snowed much, maybe like once a year, really lightly. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess it's starting to snow more and get like down by freezing more regularly. Yeah, it stayed cold a little bit longer, um, but it didn't really get too bad most of the time. I mean, it didn't. Well, specifically where I'm at, it really depends because it's it's very elevation. I used to take uh, motorcycle rides up Mount Rainier. That was that was my favorite my favorite thing there. Oh, that must have been awesome. It was. <laughs> dude, dude, there are bears in the Pacific Northwest, though. I do have to say, I don't know if you're in grizzly country, but grizzly country is pretty pretty crazy. Are grizzlies in Washington or black bear or brown bear? I mean, they have grizzlies in Idaho. I just don't know if they have grizzlies in Washington. Huh. Never experienced a bear yet. I'm not. I I would I would counter that. I'm not dumb enough to just leave food out and just <laughs> hang out with them. You know, you know, uh, uh, an, an animal is dangerous when its scientific name is Grizzless Horribleless. <laughs> it's literally a scientific name. I did not know that. Thank you for that fun fact. That is a good fun fact, right? It's the Latin. It's like li li literally Latin for like horror and grizzly. <laughs> well, what is it? What is it in Florida that's trying to kill everybody? I didn't I didn't know Florida was that thing. Man, water moccasins, snakes, you know, like gators. I mean, you pick it. Rattlesnakes. We got all of that crap. I was going to say, I've, I've accumulated a list just as I remember <laughs> all the different. We, we got all that in Louisiana plus bears. Oh, yeah, Florida's got bears. got bears occasionally, too. Yeah. I, I remember running across a bear down there. I mean, Florida's yeah. even really good breeding ground for uh, black widows that aren't black. Yeah, yeah, we got that. We got brown recluses as well. I think those are more dangerous than black widows. Yeah, I heard yeah, they're they catching yeah. a, a lot of big snakes down there now. I mean, huge. Yeah, they got, well, they've got the python, you know, invasive species problem in South Florida. And so they have a pi they have python hunts all the time. There's no limit on pythons. You can kill as many pythons as you want. Well, we don't. We have a we have a hog or pig problem in Louisiana. It's not pythons. What's wait? We what's have your wild boar here too. Oh yeah, we have wild boar hunts, but there's no tag limit. 
I want to say that Bob's invasive species hunt again, Bob. <laughs> Unitardism is the invasive species. Uh, Bob, what was your sermon this past weekend? Uh, I, I got it on uh, I got it on Facebook. Uh, can't I don't recall right off the bat, but in uh, I I've hunted with a bow and arrow since about 1985. I've killed bear, elk, deer. Rabbits, coons, squirrels, foxes, bobcats. Killed all that stuff with a bow and arrow. But uh, I hadn't shot too many snakes with a bow and arrow. I usually shoot them with the gun. <laughs> but have you have you pursued the ultimate quarry? Humans? Trinitarians? Um, <laughs> oh, I just set them free. I mean, they just bound up. They're not that dangerous. <laughs> Thank you, Bob, for not wanting to hunt us, if we can believe you. Oh, no, I'd, I'd rather eat a hamburger or a pork chop or some barbecue ribs with y'all. Did somebody say ribs? It's a trap. Y'all got some greens and cornbread and some candy yams <laughs> to go with it? I know I made everybody hungry. <laughs> I could eat. I can too, but not for another two hours. <laughs> Are you get you a good plate of squirrels, young tender ones with some turnip greens and some hot water bread and uh, some corn? Hey, on the cob. You know, that is something that I'm that I actually consistently miss about Florida is uh barbecue. That no one no one does barbecue right up here. You gotta go to Memphis Barbecue, which is in a little uh suburb of of uh Memphis, but it's in the state of Tennessee. <laughs> I, I, I mean in the state of Mississippi. But it's like ten miles outside of Tennessee. That's what south ten miles outside of Memphis. You're gonna get some good eating. So uh Nate in the chat, Detroit asked who is hell made for? Oh, he came up here and asked Bob that. I think he already asked Bob. Oh, got it. Um I forgot what Bob said. I think he said not for humans or something like that. Because he doesn't believe that. It wasn't originally for humans. I did say that humans can be put there. Ah. Look at us agreeing. And Bob, if you... if I picked on you too much. We'll be friends today, Bob. So... I'm curious, does one go to hell right at, can, is it, is hell the place where you go right after you die, or is that after judgment? You know, I'm going to say, I think you, I mean, I think you probably wake up there, I'm not <laughs> sure, but uh, 
you, if you wake up in hell, <laughs> you'll know. What's the Bible? Die. What's the Bible say? Is uh, appointed man wants to die, and then the judgment, or something like that? I, I don't know. Like some people, like I'll, I'll just say, like you know, whenever you take your last breath in this world, you take your next. The next breath you take will be in the next world. So you know. I'm not going to push back to people like, well, no, you stay dead until you're resurrected and then the judgment and then you get your glorified body or then you get your eternal soul kicked to hell. Um, you know, my, my simple answer is when you die, that's where you go. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you die, boom, poof, hell, if you die, boom, poof, heaven. Well, you Nate, know, you're, you're correct yeah. in the sense that that's what the person would experience anyway. Their next second would be that even if a hundred years was in the, Right, I was trying to hedge because it does not make a practical difference. Unless Chris is going to tell me now how it does make a practical difference. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Like Paul says that. So I believe that. I think, you know, in some way, and then like someone got like on this three three page diatribe because I said heaven. And they're like, no, you, you mean the new heaven and the new earth. That's what you mean. Not heaven, heaven. I'm like, dude, it does not matter. Found out a little bit later, total occultist. <clears throat> that's like what people say hell like I, you know whenever people like for accuracy's sake like i'll correct people sometimes but i don't make a big deal of it i'm like oh do you mean this oh okay this is what you really mean and i move on i you know if they challenge me i'll be like okay well i told you that's my piece um but when people have these pet terms and pet projects they really get hung up on like you know if you if you say um you know like when we were talking about hell once and i'm like well look if you you know people can go to hell and someone like shut down the whole discussion to let me know that they're like, hell is done away with. You don't go to hell. Hell means shield. I'm like, what? I'm like, do you mean lake of fire? Is that what, you... bro, when we say hell, we mean lake of fire. That's what we mean. That's what everyone in the world talking about the subject means. When we say hell, it's it's colloquial for lake of fire. Um, I'm like, can we move on now? Um, anyways, we moved on and it turns out he had some really weird beliefs. So I think it's kind of like a red flag or like dark orange at best when people like, want to like derail whole discussions for like th these like pet terms or pet projects they have they usually have some wacky beliefs about stuff it's like you know someone corrected me i'm like what hell oh la yes lake of fire yes that's what i mean when i say hell my bad let's move on um <laughs> anyways has anyone else experienced that is that like uh 10 ways to find a cultist sorry i just can't keep this uh can't keep no, it going. Just, I failed you. All, you. all you gotta do is find a Trinitarian. You gotta call <laughs> Oh, there we go, Bob. <laughs> but they, they are they are the much better ones, though. There's no doubt about that. At least they're not burning people at the stake anymore, you know. Anymore. <laughs> I mean, there was a, there was a, there was sort of a provincial charm to. The <laughs> did you did you guys know little historical fun fact? Since we're doing fun facts, um, that burning at the stake was seen as an act of mercy. Right, I know. That's like when we talk about how you can mess up stuff in the Bible and it says love people and shake the dust from your feet. It's like, oh, well, I love you so much, I have to kill you because love. That's like one of those things, right? It's like, oh, I'm yeah. being so merciful, so you must die. 
It's like uh, we have very different views of of that. Well, just the method of execution. So the reason that they burned people at the stake was to gently introduce them to their uh, eternal state. <laughs> that was seriously that was like the justification for it. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> it does not make it better. <laughs> Definitely not better. I mean, that being said, Bob, would you like to be lovingly uh, introduced to your eternal state if you do not repent? Um, Matt Slick's told me about it, but I don't believe he knows anything at all about it, so uh, that's enough on that subject. At least, at least you don't have to deal with Sam Shimon, uh, Nate. Say what? <laughs> You've talked to Sam Shimon. Who's that? Have I talked? <clears throat> Chris, Chris knows Sam Shimon. Well, I don't know anyone, Bob. So I mean, yeah. Is he someone important? No, decided pretty important. No, he's Just important what? to Albie. Albie Al. Do you know Albie Al? I guess you know him too, Chris. Yeah, Albie's a friend of mine. Sam Schumann is not. So, Bob, I have a question for you. So, if you got to have a uh, conversation with Jesus, would the first thing you say to him be like, hey, bro, you're not God? That was worse. Yeah. Wait, it's Bob. Gonna be, it's going to be Lazarus and... Uh... <laughs> oh, boy. Bob, you said that he's going to surprise a lot of people. Are, are you are you implying that the, the second coming is going to be very shortly? I hope it was tomorrow, but it's probably going to be later than that. I mean, Paul thought it was going to be during his lifetime, and see where we're at so i'm surprised no one's been talking about the mark of the beast since uh you know who is it like amazon and some other person is like getting palm scanners wait what all right i give up oh the beast no one's the beast yeah like apparently amazon you're the beast uh, apparently, uh, Amazon and some other big retailer is getting, like, palm scanners, so you'll be able to, like, have um, some kind of, like, chip device in your hand or palm and be able to just, like, wave your hand to, um, you know, check out and stuff. 
Yeah, that's just where technology is going in 30 years anyway. So most people will have. Remember the original premise. The original premise was, I can't believe no one has brought up the Mark of the Beastie comment yet because of that. <laughs> you already got the deal. It's in your dead gum cell phone. Has, uh, has, anybody, um, has anybody alerted Kirk Cameron? Has Kirk Cameron <laughs> oh yeah, Chris, what do you think of Kirk Cameron? I think he's funny. What's your problem with Kirk Cameron? <laughs> I don't have any problem with Kirk Cameron. I think he's, I think he's cool. <clears throat> He um he just did this whole um, answer to Drag Queen Story Hour that I thought was hilarious, where he wrote his own book, children's book. And guys, I mean, as trolls go, that was a pretty good troll. What did you think of his Left Behind movie? I have been blessed enough that I have not actually seen one. Any of them? I've seen exactly zero. Huh. Well, I saw the, um, I saw, I guess, the latest one with Kevin Sorbo. Because, uh, you know, Hercules is awesome. <laughs> uh, I thought it was good. It was pretty well done. Like, I like the actors. It had, like, Neil Badana and Kevin Sorbo. And, you know, I, I, I like the cast. And I, th I thought it was well done. I mean, it wasn't, like, cheesy like the, the old ones where, like, everyone, like, gets raptured and their clothes are left in a nice, perfect, folded, neat pile. Um, I mean, yeah, it was, it was cool. Nate, that's, how, that's how it's going to happen. The scriptures have backed that up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am a pre-millennial dispensationalist, so, I mean, I do believe in rapture, but, you know, like, I think... Um, I think we have no idea what it's going to be like. I'm pre-millennial pre myself. Yeah, me too. By the way, by the way, uh, y'all been watching Left Behind too much. <laughs> Kirk Cameron, man. Well, didn't they do a Nicolas Cage version of Left Behind? Didn't they reboot it? Oh, that sounds familiar. I saw it. It was trash. I mean, it seems like Nick... Oh, was that was real long ago. Uh, it seems like Nicolas Cage could pull that off. Right? My my crazy? <laughs> nope, it was terrible. Garbage. Which thing would he be pulling off? The Antichrist character or the... Uh, good character. Apparently he plays like some kind of airline pilot or something. I don't know. Oh. Oh, wait. Yeah, that was the one before this, right? So it is part of the continuation. It is... Wait, no. No, no. Just... That was brand new. It's not oh, part okay. of a Cameron series. Oh, okay. Maybe that's why it was better. I remember the first movie I saw of a, ra a ra rapture movie. It was in Spanish. It was a, it's an English movie, but it was like 
you know, voiced over in Spanish, which I hate when they do that. But I didn't know English then anyway. So. <laughs> but um, it was called, uh, oh, God, what was the name of that movie? It's made in the early 1970s. Um, the late great planet Earth. No, it was it was called something Thunder. Something huh? Thunder. I remember that. No, it was not Thunder. <laughs> yeah, they had four parts. It was a four-part series. This movie was played in the projector, bro. I don't know if you're talking about a four-part series. Yeah, yeah. Right, it, was, right. it was a it was a it was a set of movies uh, showing the Antichrist and all this. Do you think I care about okay, them? I remember what you're talking about. I'm talking about one called. Uh, oh, I'll think of it. Hold on, because I got to think of it in Spanish first. The Omega Code. I'll bet you it was the late Great Planet Earth because that was real popular. In the- I, I bet you it was the one I said. All right, figure it out, Felix. Let's see who's right. It's me versus the troll. <laughs> oh, here comes Pastor Mark. What's up? Welcome. Uh, Felix, was it... Wait, wait, wait. Felix, was it Thief in the Night? That's the one. Thief in the Night, Yes. Yes, that's what I'm talking chat, about. But nobody's looking at chat. So. That's oh. what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was talking about. So, Pastor Mark, have you hired the cannabis minister as an associate pastor? Or, uh... <laughs> uh, no. Um, I, I'm the one the that cannabis minister. I'm the one that pointed him out to you, Chris. Yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> well, and, real quick. You know, there's an example that, you know, if you don't have Christ as Savior and the indwelling Spirit, that even if you study your Bible, um, you need the Spirit to guide you. And here's an example of a guy. He can quote a lot of scriptures, but man, he doesn't use context, and he's totally lost. Uh, um, real quick, uh, uh, Felix, that 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 actually is a four-part movie. My bad. I you guess, check out I, guess I only saw the one part there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, back in the day, it was just a one-parter, and it was about the rapture. But I think they actually misused Matthew 24 because they used, you know, one shall be taken and another left, which I don't think is the rapture. I believe that's uh, taken in death and the other left are in the tribulation period. Yeah, just it's um, it's one of those things. Like I know that like Hal Lindsey's late Great Planet Earth was like a big thing in the seventies. Yeah, his started with a book, didn't it? Wasn't the book first, and then the... yeah, yeah, it was a it was a book first, and everybody's like, Ooh. and then it's like then the movie came. Oh, the one I was thinking about is a, a distant thunder. That's that's the other, the second part, I guess. A I distant thunder. So then, so Vanuel, are you are you proposing that? Uh... Kirk Cameron is the better actor between him and 
Nicholas Cage. Is that is that where you're going with it? Uh, I'm sorry to say, but yeah. And in comparison to that movie, like I'm like, okay, Nicholas Cage, okay, this is gonna be something good. And maybe maybe I just my expectations were too high. And, Nicholas and, Cage uh, is a washed up actor. Yeah, it, it was bad. Like if you watch it, you'll you'll see. Uh, it just was, uh, yeah, Kirk Cameron. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I don't really care too much about the Left Behind series, but um, yeah, in comparison, Nicholas Cage was garbage. Have, have you seen the Omega Code? No, what's that one about? What one about? The Omega Code. That's the one t- um, TBN pr- produced. Is that like Da Vinci Code kind of? Is that like the Da Vinci Code or no? No, no. It's, 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 yeah, they produced they produced a um, a movie. As a matter of fact, every everyone that was in the Left Behind movies was was on the um, Praise the Lord broadcast one time. Huh. With yeah, Paul TBN and actually did, did do some good stuff. They actually had some good stuff on there. Past once you get past all the crazy folks. Define crazy folk. Folk trying to pimp folk. No, you know, that's broad brushing. I can't broad brush the whole people, the whole group. Well, I mean, like, who's solid on there? Who has been solid on there? That's what you should say. Well, Kirk Cameron was on there. Kirk, Kirk Cameron has been on there. Um, Oh, I, and, was meeting, uh, the, I was meeting like their regular programs. I wasn't meeting like guest stars. Okay, but I was looking on this on the TV and okay, uh, Bishop G. E. Patterson has been on there. The late great Bishop G. E. Patterson, former presiding prelate of the Church of God in Christ. <clears throat> I find nothing wrong. I, I find no fault in that man's ministry. Trust me, he taught holiness of hell. <laughs> never, never heard of this, but... uh, and you might want to look him up. Uh, hey, Nate, are you are you um, a music engineer? No, not a music engineer. Okay, because I thought I'd seen the profile picture of you uh, behind like some studio equipment or something like that. Maybe that that. I mean, I'm podcast. a musician, but I'm not a musician engineer. <laughs> I am. Oh, okay, okay. What do you mean by musician engineer? <laughs> like, you know, mixing, mastering, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Are you a yes. musician that knows that stuff? <laughs> then yes, I can do that stuff, but it is not my job. My, uh, my, my kid's a drumline. Bubby's excited because uh, Bubby does drumline, so I might might engage Bubby for some lessons for JC, but just in drumline, certainly not in uh, debate tactics. Why for apologetics? <laughs> So, so what's you know, the genre of music? 
Who? I think it's like marching band stuff, like, you know, like real fast snare drum kind of. No, no, I was referring to uh, what Nate, uh, what what genre of music do you do? Oh, I, I, I like everything. I, uh, I mean, I, I just like straightforward rock is like my, my favorite, but I mean, you know, lots of praise and worship, uh, Christian music, um, classic stuff like that. So Nate also oh. did a soundtrack for the satanic church. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. You're doing great, buddy. He comes so Nate, for, he uh, comes for, 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 for a podcast, have you ever thought about doing like a uh, top 10 most heretic moments, top 10 atheist zingers? Like, have you ever thought about having highlight clips? I think those would be popular on YouTube. Check out YouTube, youtube.com slash Nate Cunningham. There, there is a bunch of uh, short little things like that. Oh, you got that. Uh, okay, I cool. Went through, I, I went through the uh, uh, 10 atheist non-commandments a couple weeks ago. Oh, well. Got the, it. Because the they thought they could do a better, they thought they could do a better job than, I guess, Jesus. So, Nate, the only thing that I have to criticize you about archiving is that we don't have an archive of the King of Atlantis. That's just... I know. Like that was before I, I, I mean, I guess the replay is just lost. Like that was before I had like a, a solid recording avenue. Uh, it's such a bummer, man. B- I believe me, I, 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 I criticize myself for that. I that was, I mean, that was one of the greats. Well, then don't forget Christina and the eight hundred number to get your uh, dead person who just died in the hospital come back to life. <clears throat> I think she could have been talked. I think she could have been talked through to more re, a reasonable. I don't know. I, I think maybe she was unfairly persecuted by uh, Chris. Not not okay. Not unfairly, but overly, overly persecuted. I think I if mean, you had a conversation and used terminology the right way, she probably would have ended up ag- agreeing with what you said. She could have been led to the light. I wrote her a 20-page paper showing her where she was wrong in every aspect that Chris, she never bothered I, to read. Can I tell yeah, can I tell you what would happen if you wrote me a 20-page paper telling me what I was wrong or telling me even like singing my praises? If you wrote me a 20-page paper telling me how amazing I am, I would still not read it. That's, that's I tried to I tried to uh, engage <laughs> with her on it in the back channel and she just kind of stonewalled. Uh Christina, Nick. Yeah. I, I, I just thought about who you was talking about. I said, sound like he's talking about Christina, Nick, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, she's word faith. She's not word Wait, word faith isn't Christian? Why not? Because it's a completely different religion based on the New Age, not based on Christianity. I mean, they have a completely different conception of the uh, atonement. They have a completely different conception of God. They have a completely different conception of Jesus. Like, it's a completely different religion. It's not even remotely close to Christianity. All right, Chris. I I wasn't at home Sunday to preach at, at the 
my father's house, but I did an outdoor message yesterday. I posted it in the, uh, I put it in the chat here. All right, this should be gold. I will watch it. I think it was about eight, eight minutes. Uh, you, 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 it, it, let me know what you thought. Oh my gosh, Photoshop is hard. So I have a, oh. I have a subject of conversation if you're interested. Oh yes, please. I can't even use this today. Like we're just talking about nonsense. No one even cares about this today. Um, <laughs> yes, give the, us something uh, good. I posted in the chat uh, a Gallup poll that came out about five days ago, uh, and it has some very interesting results. Should we read these to talk about? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I posted it so you, you can check it out. Uh, but one of the kind of the big ones is that uh, that uh, positive or, or kind of confessed positive belief in God is in America is down to 74 percent. Oh, someone just posted something similar in uh, orthodoxy showing how like they their stats are going like way up in orthodox something. And um I couldn't resist, but I, I quoted the Bible verse to him, you know, in chat, um, that, you know, narrow is the way to life and few who find it and broad is the pathway that lead to destruction. So for both arguments, it's like one, you know, don't don't uh, brag about your high numbers because, uh, you know, broad is the way to hell. You're going to get really popular, uh, popular feedback on that. But also if uh, it, it, to the other side, if, you know, people would say, see, look how outdated religion is and see how Christians are dwindling, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, you know, that's kind of in line with the Bible. So, I mean, you know, it's not a numbers game. It's uh, we should expect that like more and more of the people who are like just cultural Christians or in name only, they're going to fall by the wayside and be like, nah, I used to identify as that. Not so much now. Um, so, I mean, that is kind of like in line with what the Bible already says um, that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of kind of going to be a smaller number than a larger number. So, I mean. On one hand, that's bad. Would like a more number. Would like more people. Um, on the other hand, you know, if you're not in, like Jesus says, you know, if you're lukewarm, he'll spit you out of his mouth. So, get in or get out. Um, and I guess these people are getting out. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to imply anything, but it just it was it was just very interesting. It was brought to my attention uh, just recently, and I thought I'd run it by you all to see what you all thought as well. Because uh, it also includes not just kind of a belief in God, but it kind of specifies the five kind of main uh, like entities, supernatural entities of like angels, devils, or devil, uh, heaven, and hell. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, what do you think about uh, about the Bible's take on that? Like it's just kind of what the Bible says is happening? I think to extrapolate anything specifically from the Bible is, eh, like it, uh, it you, you can make it sound like whatever you want it to to, to say, um, especially oh, no, in this, not... especially in this department, which it, it's it's. I mean, it doesn't say anything overly specific. I, I agree with you, even as a even as an atheist, I can say I have interacted with a number of people who claim to be Christian, and I, I'm not going to be the gatekeeper or anything, but uh... <laughs> if you were. <laughs> If if I were to categorize a Christian, I don't know if I'd, I'd put them in that box. 
Yeah, and I wasn't talking about like, you know, the Bible saying something. So look, the Bible is totally true. Be a Christian. I mean, you know, I am and you should. But but for my purposes here, I was just saying like that's in line with what Christians think. So the fact that, you know, uh, if true, the fact that this is happening is not like, oh, no, Christianity is is wrong because, you know, the argument from ad populace is is proving true. Um, but it's more like, you know, from the Christian perspective, it's just like, yeah, that's that's what that's kind of in line with what we think. <laughs> so you would you would agree and be like, yeah, it doesn't mean Christianity is dying out because it's false. Um, and coincidentally, it also happens to be what the Bible says. I wouldn't come to the conclusion based on this <clears throat> specific thing that uh, Christianity may be kind of like diminishing because it's not exactly true. Although to be fair, my view is that I find it highly unlikely. So it, it does add up to a level of sense in my mind, but it, I would not claim that it is so certainly. Hello, Brian. Hello, Steph. Brian's been I, a minute. Hope all is well. I do think, though, that uh, it's possible, real quick, just just kind of wrap that up. I, I do think that it's possible that the diminishing numbers are individuals who weren't really, like, who just nominally claimed Christianity and maybe just don't do that anymore. That is what I think a lot, too. What's up, Brian? Hey, buddy. I've been, seeing lots of, I've been seeing lots of baby pics being posted. Man, I'm telling you, we we spent almost a week in Alabama with our grandbaby. That was oh, you could have amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was just a wonderful time. We got back last night. Oh, awesome! Glad you had a good trip. Yeah. Anyone else have a thought on what Random was saying? No one wonderful. I was gonna say, kind of in line with what I was, what I was uh, kind of finished with before. I'm, I'm curious if, if there is going to be some sort of uh, new fad to be, you know, anti-religious or something like that. I can see that. I mean, I think people are getting more, more and more hostile to religion, particularly Christianity, and. <clears throat> Then the straw man is like, you know, people talk about like persecution and they act like if we're being fed by lions right now, like, look, you could be persecuted without being like, you know, fed to lions and stuff like that, and like, you know, executed. Um, those are the worst examples we have. But, I mean, you know, there, there, I think there's definitely, I mean, look, look around, like more of a hostility towards Christianity. Um, and I think that's only going to get more and more pronounced. If that's what you were saying. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't I don't know if it would ever really gravitate to the point of just like open hostility. And I don't mean just verbal. I mean, that that that's certainly within the bounds of something that I can see. But I mean, just like actual like violence. I I don't see that happening anytime soon, even if there is a particular fad. Well, I, I, I mean. Just from what we see. Like, I mean, I can see that happening super easy. No, I mean, not not for, I mean, just, like, think about every time there's, like, a, a protest, and you have a guy out there with the Bible, and people are, like, in their face, yelling, screaming at them, stuff like that. 
I mean, every time there's a Christian that protests an abortion clinic or something like that, like, I mean, tensions are high and you got people right in each other's faces screaming at full volume. So, I mean, it's, it's not hard to think that, well, yeah, someone's going to eventually swing at that guy. So, I mean, not not violence in the sense that maybe torches and pitchforks going around, like burning Christians' houses down. Right. Um, yeah, and that's... Like, dragging them out in the middle of the night. I'll but con- I mean, I'll, con- I'll concede to what you're saying. Yeah, that that's what I was referring to. I wasn't referring to like the, the, the okay. specific in moment situation. I, I by no means am denying those kind of things. What's up, Daniel? You got anything else? Yeah, so um, I'm, I was doing a little shopping. Uh, so the question was the question. Was, uh, was what a question? What was the question? Is uh, Would there be more persecution? Is it probable for Christians? Is that, yeah, is do you that think Christian persecution is going to get ramped up? But I was just asking if you had anything else to, to say about uh, anything else. Yeah, I, I think it depends on um, the circumstance. Um, and if, if Christians will stand in the way of a specific agenda, um, if Christians are, are not a problem and it doesn't conflict with the overall agenda of whomever, they'll be left alone. Um, but as soon as you start going against a, a narrative, um, that depends on everybody being obedient to the vision. You would have to remove any type of opposition that's that's going to uh, stop it from flourishing. So when the situation gets that heated, then you'll start seeing true persecution. But and, you know, I, with- and I mean, there's no reason to think it's going to stop because, um, I mean, the, the world is not getting necessarily better and better. Like people may try to say that somehow, but I mean, it, it really, it seems like, I don't know. Like it, th- it seems like things are ramping up a lot more. So like the differences in what Christians call good and what the rest of the world calls good are getting more and more stark. Um, and I think that you see a lot of people who weren't Christians are like kind of cozying up to the idea of God and, you know, maybe not Christian, Christian God just yet, but it seems like there people that, you know, were in more of the political world because they're, they're like merging because like morality ethics, it's all just like crashing together and you're not really able to separate the lines of religion and politics um, so much anymore because it's just in your face everywhere you go. And they're like intrinsically becoming more and more tied to each other. So I think where once you saw political people that didn't have time for religion um, and now it's like they're entertaining the idea of God more because they see like all these kind of like, you know, morally bankrupt things coming from governments uh, of, of the world. And like these ideas and like these big like, you know, kind of combining the world powers and doing all this other stuff. And they, they have a mind for politics. So they understand the like political ramifications and all the pitfalls that could happen. So they're just like, wow, we we see a lot of danger, like red flags here. Maybe this somehow isn't just like right and left or liberal conservative. Maybe this is more like good and evil. And if there's evil, um, there's gotta be good is good. God, maybe I should think about religion. And I, even in a lot, what once used to be like more like hardcore, just political news. Now, a lot of the, the speakers, the guests, the hosts, they're becoming a lot more like religiously oriented. Um, 
So I don't know. It's just an anecdotal observance. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, in some ways, I think the world's getting better because if you think about it, 80 years ago, there was a world war and 50 million people died. It was like 3% of the population on the earth at the time. So I think we're in a much better place than. Hey, Nate. Yo. I'm a. I'm well, a, uh. I'm agreeing. Well, hang, hang. It's going to ramp up, and uh, I'm fixing to start my last leg on the drive, so I'm going to. I'll I'll check with y'all tomorrow. Thank you, Nate. Well, Bob, it was actually not so bad having you up here today. So enjoy your drive home, get home safe, and we'll we'll talk to you later. But also, uh, CEO, like maybe maybe you could say we're technically better better, but now because of you know less death because of medicine and technology or something like that. But what I'm saying is like it's like you're you're approaching like the event horizon of a black hole. You see the black hole is just like absolute obliteration from everything. But while it's like, well, you know, you're just out, you're like maybe spinning a little faster and you're like, oh, okay. And you're not being stretched apart yet. You're like, okay, well, things are really bad when we we're just floating in space and it was just like all death. And now we start picking up some speed. Like, you know, we're, we're kind of moving, we're, we're on the track, we're on this road. And it's like, we've got technological advances. We've got medical advances. We've got all these advances. Like, yeah, we're moving really fast. And then, so that's what I'm saying is like, we're almost at the precipice. And by we, I mean, these people who I'm, I'm talking about, just random people watch a news show. Like they're, they're starting to talk about more religion across the board. Um, well, maybe some of them, um, n not necessarily like, I'll get back to that. But anyways, a lot more of the conservative ones, even the conservative, like non-religious people, like libertarians. Um, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Not, not necessarily the other side, because they're probably part of the problem. <laughs> but, um, so you can say it's better and there's less death, but I'm saying these people are kind of forecasting and looking out and the political, like political scientists and stuff like that. They're like, okay, we see that the potential result of this and this and this could lead to us getting to the point where now we're getting stretched and elongated and sucked into the black hole in complete oblivion. That's what I'm saying. So even if it's better now, CEO, I'm saying they're like thinking about the projection that could come, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the road which if everything kind of goes the way certain people seem to talk like they want it to go, could just be a setup to go past the point of no return. Yeah. I mean, I just imagine that when the year 666 and 777 <laughs> came, they all thought that was going to be the end and 1666 and 1777. So I think this has been going on for 2000 years. So I, I don't think the only thing we know is every day we're one day closer. That's the only thing we know. Beyond that, to me, it's all a stretch to try to come to some conclusion. You know, that is an interesting point. I wonder, Mark, do you have any idea? Brian, do you have any idea? Are there any writings from the year 666 or 665? Like, um, any writings about that? Like, okay, this is the year, guy. This is the year. Um, I'd be interested to know about that. Welcome, Steph. Have you uh, found a source for 666 writings? No, but in art and literature, this is called a fin de siècle, and it happens all the time. Raul is right. It's like uh, futurism was the... Oh, goodness. <laughs> right. Oh, okay, so you, you have to get what I'm saying, right? <clears throat> I get that this stuff happens, there's ebbs and flows, but for example... If someone's like, I'm building a laser base on the moon, and with one touch of the button, I can destroy the planet, right? If everyone's like, uh-oh, look at that. I mean, assuming it's all legit and it's a thing, right? 
one push of the button, Earth is gone. Um, you couldn't rightly, I mean, some people may be like, it's a Fendicia or whatever you're saying. But like, oh, it, it just people get ramped up and then there's times of peace and then it's better and then it's not. Well, I mean, there's eventually going to be something that's so severe that there's no coming back from. Right. So so eventually somebody is going to be right when they're like, oh, no, it's just one of those times when it's going to it's going to ebb and flow and go back down again. Um, and while people are saying that, they're like, no, that, that guy is pushing the button and he's pushing. Oh, he pushed the button. There's no more chance to come back down and have a lull because everyone's dead. The planet's exploded, for example. So with the fin de siècle phenomenon, it's like every time there's an, it's usually numerical, um, but sometimes it's periodic. Uh, like, for example, in the middle of the 1800s, when they had the Industrial Revolution, there was a fin de siècle. It was like the end of the farming era. And everybody thought the automation was going to, you know, the factory would take everyone's jobs. And so we're going through a similar thing with AI now. So I don't know. I'm conflicted on this because when you look back in history, it happens a lot. There was an entire thing at the turn of the century in 1900 called futurism in art. And futurism was this very bleak sort of like look at technology and what it was doing, uh, because that was the big thing in 1900, right? The steam engine and Victorian technologies and that kind of thing. So there was all this art and literature about what the future would look like and how small and insignificant man was becoming in the face of its own technology. So we're kind of doing the same thing again. So I guess it's hard not to look back at history and see patterns that make it seem like, well, you know, is this just a human thing? And those are just the recent ones. There have been many of these throughout history. But then I talked to my husband about it, and he is much more in your camp where he's like, yeah, well, we're called to read Revelation and know the signs, right? Good man. So, yeah, exactly. So he's kind of like, yeah, sure, maybe this has happened before, but know the signs anyway. Yeah, I mean, even like um, with COVID, if you go back 100 years to the flu, they had lockdowns. They had arguments about lockdowns. The only difference was they didn't have social media. If they had had social media 100 years ago, the dialogue would have been exactly the same as the one we had a couple years ago. Right. But if the Spanish flu would have been the guy with the space laser on the moon and he blew up the planet, then see where I'm going with that. So, yeah, as long as something is not total destruction, it will ebb and flow. At some point, though, <laughs> there's going to be something that happens where there is no ebb and flow. It's just done. I just don't think we get any warning of it, though. I think. Well, I mean, except for there's a, well, there's well, a no, revelation that's... about... But, but, well, three years of peace between Israel and Palestine, essentially, right? That's like the closest I can think of in terms of like an actual real sign that's tangible. Well, yeah, but you're, there's two different things. Like I'm, first of all, I don't really care about this. So, um, but, but second of all, I mean, you know, as much as it may sound like I do, but what I'm saying is there's a difference of being in a pandemic where you're like, oh no, it's the end of the world, it's the end of the world, because it's happening and there's like this high mentality and hysteria, versus someone being like, okay, I see these systems being set into place that, you know, potentially down the road, this could cause some real problems, perhaps perhaps to an extinction level event. So, I mean, there, there's a difference with the emotion out of it, the hysteria gone, where you can be like, okay, well, you know, people are building stuff, perhaps in a lab, perhaps from a pangolin, poor pangolin got a bad got all kinds of hate and it's not even his fault, um, that this could cause a pandemic that I doubt will be an exp extinction level event, but could cause a lot of trouble. And then it happens. Okay, well, great. 
So, I mean, as long as you keep following that and get to the point where it's like, okay, well, based on what we're observing now, this stuff could actually lead to a mass extinction event. And I don't know what that would be. I'm just saying, you know, war, technology, medicine, viruses, whatever. Um, so some things would not be an kill-all, end-all, be-all. Other things would. So it, anyways, the point is, for whatever reason, a lot of people, I'm conservative, libertarian, not necessarily, uh, like never before, like religious or people are identified as non-religious um, and, and kind of like averted to religious people. Um, they seem to be talking about it more and coming around. That's the only point. So, you know, because reasons. Well, it also depends enough, on you doing that. Um, I'm sorry, Vinny. Oh, no, I was saying it also depends on your, your view in eschatology. You either believe that this heaven and this earth is going to somehow disappear, or you believe that, or you, or you believe that the same existing heaven and earth is going to be a, a change of order, which is going to bring about this new heaven, new earth concept, but not in the sense that we perceive it to be, but in the sense of um, this earth that we currently stay on. Um, becomes renewed, per se. So, so there may not be an atomic bomb that blows up the earth while we're floating in the sky with Jesus and God reconstructs a whole new heaven and new earth and then drops us back down. No, listen, that's exactly what I want it to be. Okay, I'm I'm running with that, and you cannot convince me otherwise. The yeah, uh, I mean for bomb thing. Bomb or whatever. The more important part is that I'm up there with Jesus. Everything is good, and then I'm set gently back down when it's all over. That's what I'm going with. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Let Let me let me give you the most boring version of this, which everyone would hate. So let's say twenty five thousand years from now, the Earth is finally jacked up. There's not many people here, and we're in the solar system, and all this and that. And then revelation happens and you have the new earth because it actually needs to be renewed and everyone is transported back here. That's as feasible as I think any other case. Like in Wally. <laughs> no one else? No? I mean, that could be when, I mean, You guys should watch that well, wait. movie. It's a great movie. I've seen it. I think I've seen okay. it. Is that when the age of Aquarius really takes in and if we just followed the king of Atlantis to the North Pole where Eden really is, would all be good? so sad that i missed that nate would there be a scenario where like this has all happened and you would be mad about the way it happened like for instance if it is played out the way i did and you and i are seeing each other twenty five thousand years from now on the new earth would you have been upset about that the way it went down i mean the end result is i'm in heaven and i'm in a cool place with jesus no i don't really care what scenario unfolded before that i'm i'm happy <laughs> Wait, I have a question on that topic, but it's not on eschatology. Can I ask it? You may speak. Okay, thank you. So growing up, my dad, who is uh, not great with kids, told me that when we're in heaven, uh, I was like six, when we're in heaven, we won't recognize each other. We won't care. I won't know he's my dad. He won't know my I'm his daughter, you know, whatever. Uh, and uh, that's that. And I have carried that belief with me until very recently reading Wayne Grudem's systematic theology and his view on heaven uh, made me quite, where do you guys stand on that? What's your thought? Will we recognize our spouses, our children? correct. Oh, bummer. 
Is it is just that the consensus? Mike, he's correct. Do you think he's correct because of the the passage where Jesus says they will neither marry nor be given in marriage? Is that what you're going with? Yeah, I mean, I yes, and and also I think that we want we project so many things about how we want things to be based on how we currently experience life. Like for instance, the whole thing Nate was saying earlier about. Um, when you die, you know, do you immediately go to heaven or hell, right? Well, to the person, you do, right? Because you're dead one moment and you're alive the next. But technically, if 10,000 years passed in between, that seems completely unfair to us. But to the person, it doesn't matter if it's one second or 10,000 years. It would all be the same because they go from non-existence to existence again quickly well you're assuming that there's sure. no consciousness in between or that the i think the best we're going to be able to do biblically speaking is like first corinthians 13 12 um oh chris isn't here to tell me how i'm saying it wrong wonderful okay so <laughs> for now we see, only see a reflection as in a mirror then we shall see face to face now i know in part then i shall know fully even as i am fully known i i think some people take that um, which I'm sure Chris would say is wrong, but some people take that to be like, well, you know, we're known kind of in heaven how we're known on earth. Does that mean that uh, from God's perspective? But I mean, he already knows the school anyway. So it doesn't seem illogical to think that however we know each other here is how we will know each other there. See, um, that's Grudem's position as well. And I'm cautious about Grudem because he is the Calvinist Calvinist, but I like his system anyway. But like, you know, that's that's his thought, too. Like he has this whole really amazing chapter on heaven and systematic theology. And he talks about like he argues that we'll have occupation, that we'll continue learning, that we'll be, you know, I don't know. So why would you have occupation and interest and continue learning about God, continue developing a new relationship with him, but not recognize anything about your life here? I guess it just, seems, think, you know, he pulls I, think, I think what's happening um, Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think what's happening, maybe, maybe, Steph, and I may be wrong, but maybe what's happening is that Grudem is convoluting a bit between the millennial reign and then eternity. Because I think in the millennial reign, those things are probably way true. I'm not sure about, you know, the eternity part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think that he's right about the learning and all those things, stuff. But the reason why I think that we wouldn't remember people on earth is because it's said that there's no weeping, right? And if you're in heaven and you're remembering your grandkid or your lost ones that are currently on earth or those who may, you know, be somewhere else, unfortunately, that could create weeping. So that's why I, not, I, I not if you see them now. for the monsters well, that they are. Yeah, there's lots of reasons. Because if you're, okay, so you're going to have, a my thought on this is that you'll have a more full understanding, right? So in horror of horrors, one of my children goes to hell and I'm in heaven and I'm aware of this, right? The, I, I, the way it makes sense to me is that I would have a fuller perspective. I'd be more in line with the mind of God and I'd be able to say, well, that's what my child chose. And they're like, I'm so... Like the, the priority now is the presence of God, the glory of God. I'm in that. So I could, I mean, I can't imagine it as a human being fully, but I can see how that would work, that you wouldn't be weeping over lost ones. But I'm wondering if I, if I run into like, you know, if I run into my spouse in heaven and I have, you know, I don't know. It's like, 
the way that heaven is described, right? The Lord Jesus is preparing a room for you. Well, why would we need a room? Why would I care what a bed was if it's this completely unrecognizably abstract experience? It can't be that. I don't know, I'm kind of interested in right. Brian. So, so, I just wanted to ask you one more question. So what if you're in heaven and you see your husband and then you see him talking to some other woman in heaven? Is this going to create jealousy? Yeah, so this is what I mean. That's too narrow of an experience. So we're, we're thinking that we're going to take all of our earthly desires with us, but we won't. Okay, so I see my spouse in heaven and he's talking to his ex-girlfriend and his, who's also a Christian is like, oh, bummer, right? No, it, it's... She's a Christian. Praise God, she's there, right? I don't know. I imagine we would have a more full perspective. Yeah, I don't think I, that's I think I'll step on this one. Um, I, I think our perspective on um, on heaven is is influenced by Platonic thought. Um, so my my particular persuasion is that um, because it's like. Okay, we're gonna to go to heaven, but then if 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 we're gonna go into this abstract, disembodied, or well, be careful my words, right? We're gonna go into this specific space. What would be the reason for the the resurrection of our own bodies if we weren't meant to dwell on right. this earth, or even when it's talk, or even when it's talking about the new heavens and the new earth? And also talks about it in in, um, in Revelation how the, the the New Jerusalem comes down and dwells with man, and and then God dwells with man. It's like, where do we get this concept that we're just gonna go fly away and we're gonna desert this earth, right? My my I, the way I look at it is this, right? God had a plan initially in the Garden of Eden, all the way to the beginning, and mankind, God inside Eden there was a garden that God place man in there that was that he told him to, to to keep and to guard right and to maintain this is not the portion where in, in genesis chapter 20 20 i think 26 or 28 uh, where it talks about the cultivate and subdue the earth this was the, the the subduing was for meant for the rest of the earth but this place that god had placed you know adam and eve they were meant to to spread it across the world that, that could have been technology, that could have been all kind of facets because, you know, we were made to be images of God, to reflect God into creation. So we were supposed to spread this God's glory throughout the whole earth into the un uninhabited places and so on and so forth. But when sin entered into the realm, it derailed us from the um, from the original plan that God had from us. So, you know, then, you know, then we needed to be brought back into position. But I, I think that, the, that God didn't make a mistake and say, all right, let me go ahead and blow up this whole earth again, start over again. I think what, what what's being conveyed is that we are being brought back into our original, the original Great Commission, and that's to subdue the earth and to spread God's glory throughout this globe. So when it talks about new heavens and new earth, um, I'm careful on how to actually look at that. Because if, if we look at it from a modern understanding, we can think that maybe this earth right here is going to be blown up. But instead of looking at it in a different way where, you know, God's glory spreads throughout this whole earth, God eradicates anything that's that stops his original plan. But it seems like, OK, God just abandoned ship. OK, let me just start over as if God didn't see all of it, as if what's the point of creating all of this? This, this physical universe, if it wasn't meant to be habited, and we're just going to go die and go to heaven 
and, and whatever it is. So it would make more sense that when we resurrect in the physical bodies, we will be able to recognize each other again because we, we were with each other here already. You know, instead of this concept that we depart from this body and we go spend time in this heavenly realm, I think heaven and earth are conjoined together. You have man's space, you have God's space. The whole idea of, you know, Emmanuel, God with us, the whole concept is God with us. We're conjoined in this two-dimensional existence, I guess you can say, physical and the space where God is influencing the rest of creation. So I mean, that's just my concept, but I, I don't I don't buy this heaven that we're, we're, we're just going to just leave this body, this, this body that's been containing us to go into our real existence. I think as human, our real existence is, is for the earth. So that is very aligned. That's very much what I got out of Grudem as well. And that's made me question what my dad always told me because I find that to be a more logical and consistent thought about how it will work. But Brian, like Vaniel, I'm right with you. I want to know what Brian thinks. Hey, Steph. Um, yeah, Daniel, I, I'm just sitting here nodding and, and, and agreeing. Oh, thank uh, God. Man, man was created um, a, a physical being to reflect the glory of God as a rational, relational, righteous vice regent to represent God in creation. And in Christ, he will fulfill man's original purpose only better. Um, they're, they're, the Bible says precious little, almost nothing, only incidental little glimpses, um, a handful of times that speak to the intermediate state between death and the bodily resurrection. And even those can be understood variously. Um, but the idea of having a conscious disembodied um, existence uh, between death and the resurrection uh, is is something that is inferred and certainly not explicitly taught and could be understood various ways. I mean, I, I, I but, think ultimately it's going to be very oh wait, counterintuitive. Real quick, bro, I wanted to ask Brian one more yes or no question. Real quick. Brian, do you think you'll recognize your loved ones physically in heaven? Yeah, I, I, I think I think. To, to think that one would not is an absurdly silly um, proposition. Uh, but again, when we say in heaven, that's that's the problem. Um, there is in not wherever. a sing, there, there there is not a single verse in the Bible, not one. You you will not find a single one that says that the eternal existence of the believer is in heaven. It does not exist. Um, we find rather, as uh, Vaniel said, that this idea of a new heaven and new earth, the meek inherit the earth. God has prepared the earth. The dwelling place of God will be with man. There will be a new heaven and a new earth where God will fulfill his original purpose uh, with man in Christ only better. And so um, you, you mentioned a little bit ago about this idea of uh, Jesus kind of, quote, going and preparing a place. And what a lot of people don't realize about these types of statements is uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, Matthew 25, 1 Peter 1, Colossians 1, passage after passage after passage speaks of um, a what, a verb, a for whom, a where, 
and a future expectation. So you have things like a kingdom that is prepared for you or an inheritance that is being kept for you in heaven or a hope that is laid up for you in heaven or a dwelling place prepared for us or rooms or citizenship or all of these things. But what we find in the scripture is that the pattern of the scripture, the 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 tenor of the scripture is that our hope, kingdom, inheritance, citizenship, and all this is being kept, prepared, laid up in the presence of God to be revealed for us to inherit in the new creation. And so when, when the Bible speaks in, the, in those terms, we've, we've got to look at it a little more broadly, not just try to pull out one verse and says, well, he's making a mansion for me up there in heaven, so I guess I'm going to have a room. That, that's just not a biblical view of eschatology. What about the verse where it talks about there are many rooms in my father's house? You know, um, it talks about a place, right? Um then I'll also say, like, the part where he talks about uh, Abraham and Lazarus, or, you know, um, where at the, uh, the rich man tells Abraham, he's like, uh, you know, send someone to warn my brothers. So he's talking about another place, right, that that, that he's, rem well, he has memory that he's in there. He's talking about his brother. So in a way, like, there are different places that um describing, right, in the Bible about heaven and hell. Sure. So um, two, two things quickly. If, if, someone, if someone believes, um, if, if they're a dualist and they, and, and they believe that, you know, there's a, a disembodied spirit soul thing that, you know, somehow has a conscious existence apart from, uh, apart from the body and the presence of God, that's, that's fine. Again, where, where you're going to get this is going to be incidental. Um, regarding Luke 16 and the rich man and Lazarus, um, not a single thing that is taught in that uh, that story is actually taught in the Old Testament. Not nothing. The idea of the the conscious uh, wicked being suffered, the idea of Abraham's bosom, the idea of a great gulf, the idea. Uh, I mean, all all of that comes from Second Temple Judaism. It comes from Enoch. It comes from Fourth Maccabees. It, it was a popular Pharisaical understanding of the end times that Jesus used to condemn the Pharisees, which he started at the very beginning of Luke 15. Luke 15, the entire chapter, and Luke 16, all the way up through that, is nothing but one condemnation of the Pharisees after another, and he does it again using their own view of eschatology. But Jesus was not rubber stamping um, Jewish folklore and apocryphal, unbiblical views of eschatology in Luke 16 and the story of Rich Man and Lazarus. He wasn't just rubber stamping their unbiblical view of eschatology that isn't taught anywhere in the Old Testament. So um, I, I think we have to be careful how we use Luke 16, in my opinion. Well, the, I, I, I mean, yes, uh, I would agree, but you know, the Bible is talking about two different places, right? It's talking about hell and then heaven, and then you see it also in Revelation. So, um, and I think that's the, I mean, the the mystery that I think of 
you know, what happened would be like now. I don't know. If, I mean, I think, for in my opinion, I think we'll have some type of memory. Um, but, um, you know, it's really hard to say because we, only, we don't get so much uh, in glimpse, like, into how heaven might be how help and, uh, and, like, what, what, what will happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, if, if we want to see, again, we, we use the term heaven. The Bible doesn't use this term. The Bible does not describe the eternal state of the believer as heaven. We do it colloquially, and we've been taught this through really bad funeral preaching and bad hymnody that um, you you talk about when when we all get to heaven, what to do? Da, 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 da. All that bad theology, uh, particularly in America, this is very much an American phenomenon, um, has led to kind of a, a a mythology about heaven among uh, evangelical Christians that is simply not rooted in the Scripture, and rather it is rooted in. Uh, pictures that uh, the Bible often is portraying in relation to the new creation. It's certainly not talking about uh, a disembodied state. I personally, like, I, I do not believe that Stephen, the first martyr of the Christian church, has been, quote, in heaven in a conscious existence for 2,000 years, where my mom, who died seven and a half years ago, has only been there seven. I, I don't believe that there's new people like popping into heaven every second. Like there, there's just a, you know, boom, boom, boom. Every every second around the world, every time a Christian dies, they pop into heaven. So that some people have been there two thousand years, some people have been there three thousand years, some people have been there thirty minutes, and then the very last guy to die before Jesus returns is gonna close his eyes in death, open his eyes in heaven, and go, wow! And then they say, okay, everybody line up. Here we go. Here's the second coming. I don't I don't well, believe it's going to... That's terrible. That's what it was in my head, and I didn't even realize it until you just laid all that out. Yeah, um, I, I do yeah, not Brian, believe that that is the good. way that that happens. <laughs> um, but, and how are you but, saying you do think it happens? What, what, I, I simply believe, and, and again, look, this is, this, this is a Brianism. This is, this is sanctified imagination based on um, a couple of things. One, I don't believe that we can go to the Scripture and show, oh, well, the rich man said, you know, Jesus said to the, I'm sorry, the thief on the cross, today you're going to be in paradise. So that means he's been in heaven for 2,000 years. No, I believe in our conscious existence that... Um, I, I don't know how it all works, don't have a clue, but I do believe that we tend to all meet at the same time. I believe that when when Abraham closes his eyes in death and Brian closes his eyes in death and Stephen 2,000 years ago, that they meet there at the same time, that in their experience it is all the same. And so um, you, you, I, I just don't believe you have a literal soul train dropping off souls in heaven every second um, so that all their experiences are different. I just think that is just silly. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, 100% on that. And I also wonder, Brian, if people are just conflating heaven and new earth and we're just kind of using the terms interchangeably without being aware of it. 
Yeah, 100%. That's, that's what happens. And, and we, we take the language that describes um, that existence and we apply it to, yeah, some kind of disembodied state. And then we turn heaven into this idea, well, I'm just going to be bored or, oh, I'm just going to be strumming my harps. And no, look, God, God made man to fill the earth with image bearers, to represent God for his glory throughout all of creation as rational, relational, righteous vice regents in creation to represent God in the world and to fill creation with image bearers to reflect God's glory. And he will fulfill that original purpose in Christ only better. So if we want to know what, what is God's plan for man, we look back at the garden and we see what Christ has restored from the garden. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe we have such a hard time with some of these beliefs because we're not fun, right? So like, it's just easier to think that our loved ones are in heaven right now this second. But again, for them, it doesn't make a difference because the next moment they experience anything, one second after their death, they'll be in eternity. It just isn't that way. It's just that they're not there right now this second, right? At least from our from how we experience time. But I, I think we have to accept that time outside of our human experience works very differently. So again, for them, dead one second, with God the next. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like when when somebody says like I, I don't believe in quote soul sleep, I don't I don't I don't believe that somehow the soul is is like waiting blah blah blah. There there is a difference between our perspective and God's perspective, and uh, it reminds me F. F. Bruce, you know, world renowned scholar F. F. Bruce, um, he said this. He said, the tension created by the postulated interval between death and resurrection might be relieved today if it were suggested that in the consciousness of the departed believer, there is no interval between dissolution, that's death, and investiture, that's being clothed in resurrection, however long an interval might be measured by the calendar of earthbound human history. And and F.F. Bruce, he was quoted in uh, Richard Middleton's book, A New Heaven and a New Earth, Reclaiming Biblical Eschatology. And um, he uh, he's recognizing the biblical tension. Like, what does, what does the Bible actually say about the intermediate state? And it is next to nothing. And uh, when, when we begin thinking outside of modern mythology about heaven— and we actually just go to the scripture, we find out that, wow, you know, not, not only is there very little that is said, but if we, if we put aside some preconceived notions and we think maybe in, in line with some of the things F.F. Bruce is saying, um, they, they make as much sense as the others. So we just can't be dogmatic on some of those. There, there was a passage, um, Paul makes a statement, uh, um, it is better to, uh, it's better for you for me to be with you, but, uh, I can't remember, but it's better to, uh, but the, I had to go back and look at the scripture, I had it, um, in my notes, where he's talking to, 
you know, I guess the disciples or whoever he's speaking to. And he tells, um, it looks like he's running um, close to the time of his death. And it says, more beneficial for me to uh, uh, be with you, but I would desire to be with the Lord. Like he was making the distinction of two different spaces that he would, uh, um, that he would find, uh, which would be beneficial. Do, do you know what passage I'm talking about, Brian? Um, I need to go back and look at it. I wish I didn't speak before I actually found the, the text. Yeah, so so there's a couple of those kinds of statements, you know, that Paul makes, um, where in in again in speaking, um, one one of the passages that is often quoted, uh, and I'll I'll look it up here in just a, a minute. Um, they'll they'll talk about uh, Paul talks about being clothed, and it's not First Corinthians 15. But the context is is yet and still speaking of resurrection, and even though he's talking about departing and and this uh, th- this current house, he has he has a a home in the heavens that he'll be clothed upon. It's actually using the language of resurrection, uh, but it's often applied as if there's some type of heavenly body that Paul was looking forward to. Again, it's because of modern mythology. But when Paul says that it's that he de- desires to depart and be with Christ, if if what we're saying, if in the experience of the departed, if it, it's kind of like if, uh, if, if I go into surgery and they put the little mask on me and I've got an eight-hour surgery ahead of me and he says, okay, Brian, count down from 100, 100, 99, 98, and then the next time I open my eyes, I open my eyes, and my uh, hospital room is filled with friends and family and, and flowers. In my experience, it, it happened. I closed my eyes, and, my, and I opened my eyes, and I have no consciousness of an eight-hour surgery that just happened. And I, I believe that is probably more akin to uh, the reality of the departed than the fact that they close their eyes and then they open them, and for 2,000 years they're hanging out in a disembodied heavenly state watching new people come in every second. I just I just think that's ridiculously silly. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I, I think it's so funny that like we have a hard time accepting that sort of concept. It's like people just do not like it. Um, hey, you know, Brian. For, for me... If, um, I'm gonna have to go. I hate to cut this down, Brian. I wish you were here more often. Do you wanna you wanna stay and keep it going? But I'm I'm gonna have to run. Uh, yeah. If Steph's still here, I guess she and I could. Sure. And if she's not, just uh, yeah, end it when you're done. But I I do have to run. But yeah, I mean, I guess for my part, like I'm enjoying listening. The only thing I disagree with is I don't care about liking it. Um. So I mean, I, I mean, I know I'm I'm an emotional void. So sure, plenty of people do. But. Yeah, I mean, if it's it is as is Brian's, you know, surmises, fine. I don't, I don't have any problem with that concept. Like, I don't need someone to be hanging out in heaven while I'm not there having a party of their life while I'm stuck down here in the slums of Earth. Um, so you know, it's kind of better that way. Um, I'm like, great, we're all equal. We all show up at heaven at the same time or wherever that place may be at the same time. Um, so you know, I don't need to feel a certain way about it. Um, you know, I just want accurate. And you know, like Brian said, like you know, he's. He's suggesting some things, but biblically speaking, there's only so far we can absolutely go. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I just discount feels. I, I don't put much stock in feels. Um, you know, whether whether poof, I, the dude's in heaven for 2,000 years, great. If it's what Brian says and, you know, he's counting back from 100 and the next time he wakes up, oh, what? 2,000 years have passed and I'm in heaven? Huh, okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm good with all of the above. 
um, as long as I'm there, that's that's the thing. And it makes me think like, you know, when people talk about, you know, from like the Hebrews rights and they're like, well, look, if you encourage other people to do things in a different way and, and not to follow the law, you're going to be least in the kingdom of heaven. I'm like, what kind of argument is that? At least I'm still in the kingdom of heaven. If you're right, if you're wrong, you're in hell. Um, I, I know I'm jumping the topic a little bit, but I'm like, my goal is to get to heaven. That's everyone's goal. Like, it's not, you know, how, 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 uh, I don't know. I, they say the, you know, the joy is in the journey along the way, maybe to an extent, extent, but man, the goal is the journey, like uh, the destination of the journey. That's the goal. So like, if I'm shoveling the stables of heaven, I don't care. If I'm, you know, hanging out in a two bedroom mansion or a three bedroom mansion, I don't care. So, you know, if I, if I take a nap and poof, I, I'm awake and I'm like, oh, I got hit by a bus. Huh. Okay. Well, I'm in heaven. Cool. Oh, it's been 5,000 years. Don't care at all. Um, so I, I think that's the goal is get there. Anyways. Yeah. Brian, go ahead and let me make you a mud real quick. And, and uh, yeah, just whenever you're done, uh, feel free to end the room. And thanks for, thanks for this. I'll have to hear what you guys talk about later, but I've got some kids who I have to feed. Apparently that's what parents do. Take it away, Brian. Good to see you, Nate. <laughs> Take care. Hey, Brian. So 